People are sleeping. To be very quiet at this hour. People are trying to sleep. Good morning. Hi, how are you? Uh, it's Monday. Oh, you knew that. And uh, welcome back to another exciting edition of the Steve Cochran Show. We have Hawks tickets to give away today. This is show number 1470-1470. Hey, that's the frequency of the first radio station I ever worked at. WTKO in Ithaca, New York. It's a sign. A Four- full circle moment. 1470 WTKO. Mm, Serving a- the Finger Lakes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have a good memory. <laughs> well, that one's not hard to remember. Well, I mean... <laughs> it's the ones in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Uh, Here's what's coming up today. Dr. Kevin Most will try to cure you of what ails you. Dan Hampton will try not to have his head explode as he talks about the Bears and an awful performance yesterday. Our friend Ryan Nobles from CNN. What's your kid doing in his bedroom? (laughs) Whoa. It's another segment. That's not Ryan Nobles. I was like, whoa, uh, that's a (laughs) lots of things could be lots of things. There's a kid that uh, has a connection to this place Mm -hmm. who's going away to college next year who is uh, sort of inventing a career, kind of. Oh, gotcha. Okay, because I was like that. that. Dean Richards, more on entertainment. Andrea Darlis, we're allowing Andrea on to gloat about the Fighting Illini's win over Wisconsin. On Saturday, which is the biggest upset. David, how long? Woo-hoo. 500 years? Uh, well, 500 think, years of American football. At least 2007. <laughs> and she should gloat. And that, that was a great win for them. She was at the game. So okay. jealous. Uh, yeah, that's your, that's your school, too. Yeah. Hello. Hello. Yeah, why weren't you there? It was homecoming. I, I know. I had another commitment. Mm. Yeah. It's so busy. <laughs> uh, hey, let's do the top six and six. The top six at six, sponsored by American Weathermakers Heating and Cooling, the 60 Minute Men. Item number one, the strike continues. Item number one and a half, Steve Grzanich is back. How are you feeling hey, there, fella? I'm feeling uh, completely better. Thank you very much. Oh, you're 100%. Yeah, I'm 100%. Well, that's good. Yeah. How about city schools? Uh, city schools are not 100%, but there is a little bit to be. Uh, 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 optimistic about today. The are talks, we cautiously optimistic? We are cautiously optimistic. Apparently, talks ha- had some progress yesterday, and so that's good. Um, we still have a strike, but uh, at least their progress is being reported, and that's more than can be said from some of the previous negotiating sessions. Now, if you're a kid and you're hearing this news, because you're up at this hour listening to the, the talk show, uh, are you going, uh, well, good, I want to get back to school, or are you going, oh, crap, I thought I'd have at least two weeks off? It de- yeah, I think it depends. I think you have those kids who have missed out on their academic events right. and uh, sports that want to get friends. back. Um, and want to see their friends. So it's, uh, I, I would say people want to get back to school mostly, and I'm sure parents want their kids back in school. I was going to say, it, de- it depends on where your parents have put you yeah. while they had to go to work. Right. Like if you're somewhere what do you mean, really like if they're cool, in a big Tupperware bin, well, you'd like to po- get out? Yeah, it's possible that the parents have dropped their kids <clears throat> off at a police station, which may not be pretty good. Right. You know. Like, or, or you get to stay with like your cool uncle that like right. has a PlayStation and like uh, all right. the games or something. He doesn't you know? pay attention. Right. I don't, I don't know about the police station thing. It's no, no, I was kidding. I was because, kidding. No. you know, they don't have that much room. <laughs> if I had a child, that's where I would leave no, my child during the day. 
Uh, next, <laughs> Mayor Lori Lightfoot will propose a tax hike on all food and drinks sold in Chicago restaurants to help shrink a massive $838 million shortfall in the 2020 budget. The proposal will double the current uh, 25% tax on food and drinks sold at retail establishments and restaurants. So let's say you go to one of Chicago's 911 steakhouses. <laughs> and uh, you want to order a nice steak for dinner. Dave, this doesn't obviously doesn't apply to you. Um, and the uh, average steak is, uh, you know, 100 bucks. Well, the uh, the hundred bucks is going to go up, um, and a tax hike. Though we we look, it's double the current month. So one hundred and twenty five will cost you one hundred and fifty. Is that is that accurate, Steve? Did I run the math there right off the top of my head? Yes, I think okay. that's right. Okay, well, I mean it's a lot. It is, and the profit margin for restaurants is not large. Yeah, well, we're not getting any of this. Yeah. So exactly. you're, you're thinking they're going to drive business away? Possibly. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's not like, rest, I mean, people don't make a lot of money, uh, contrary to popular opinion, like, I told especially the, guys, the mom listen, and pop shops. I told the guys a long time ago, Gibson's, put a drive through in. <laughs> and you know, as speaking as a property owner in the city, uh, anything they can do to not increase my property taxes again, I would happily consider. And hmm. maybe this will be good for people because they'll start to cook again and eat at home. Imagine that. Maybe. Wow. Let's not go crazy. <laughs> uh, next, Mike Madigan hasn't been spoken of much. I mean, this is 1,470 consecutive shows. He's no-showed us. He's invited here, as always. Oh, there are the Mike Madigan crickets in symphony, as they always are when we discuss Madigan, because he never shows up to talk to the people that employ him, the people of the state of Illinois. Now, Mike Madigan's making other news this morning. Uh, WBEZ first reported that federal authorities have sought information on House Speaker Mike Madigan in that city club raid that happened. Well, does that mean he's connected to something? Does that mean he could be providing evidence? Does that mean Mr. Madigan's finally been caught? Or does that just mean maybe he's a source? Inquiring minds want to know. I uh, will find out as this story continues to develop, I'm sure. And... <laughs> 130 books once owned by Abraham Lincoln's biographer have been donated to the Lincoln Presidential Library and Museum in Springfield. Again, every time we talk about this place, we mention it's a, it's a must-see. you got to go. Uh, Benjamin Thomas books could be a gold mine for Lincoln scholars. Many contain the author's handwritten comments, observations, and notations. Again, this is Lincoln biographer uh, Benjamin Thomas. The books were donated by the Lincoln Land Community uh, College Library. <clears throat> My grandmother had a, an attic full of books that went back to the 18th century. <gasps> you should have taken them to the Antiques Roadshow. You could have stopped that sunset. You should have taken them. Oh. Didn't take them. What, where are they now? It could be worth millions of dollars. Yeah, some books are not worth that much, though. Yeah. I, I tried this with some of my mom's old books I found. I'm just, trying to rem- I'm just trying to stay where yeah. Mary is, if they're not worth anything. Yeah, th- that think that way, because then you'd feel oh, much better. 1800s, millions of dollars. You think? Yes. Okay, next. <clears throat> the Bears lost to New Orleans Saints 36-25, and it wasn't that close. Uh, they had seven rushing attempts. On Walter Payton bobblehead day. Yep. Doesn't that seem wrong? Aww. Fewest rushing attempts in franchise history. 17 yards total. Uh, they had 100 and... What did I say? If I did the, if the math. They got they basically got half their yards on their last two drives when the game was out of reach. So, yeah, it was... Uh, it, it doesn't get much uglier than that. I mean, it hearkened back... Steve, to a day against the Detroit Lions in, I want to say, in the early 80s, where they they managed no offense, couldn't run them. And that was with Walter Payton, by the way, mm-hmm. and ended up uh, 
bringing in George Hallis came in to address the troops. Straight things out. I mean, it, it still didn't help. Um, we'll take this up with Hamp later at yeah. uh, seven. And he was there, by the way, Hamp. So he'll remember that. Yes, he was. And uh, Matt Nagy was very frustrated during the game and after the game. Mm-hmm. I will remind you, he calls the place. Yeah, well, but he was asked, "Would you consider changing play caller?" And he said, "His quote was." Uh, I'm not going to get into that, but if I do, you guys won't know, which means they will keep it internal. And well, that's not true. I mean, I, they'll keep it internal, but you will know because you are a football detective. Well, <laughs> you'll be able to tell. I'll be able to tell with this. Maybe this. You'll be able to tell through subtleties and, and body f- language. He's going to have to fake signature. looking at his board. You know, how's he going to do that? Yeah, I'm sure. Exactly. He'll still have a role in it, even if he's not the one calling the play. Well, you know, it's it's his job mm-hmm. and it's his job to yeah. lose. Yeah. And, the, I, and I think if you have a job and it's your job to lose, you should be responsible for that job. You, I at think, least that's the way I feel here. Yeah. No, I, I think you're right. And I think, you know, a, he has a normal demeanor that I think is pretty steady. And mm-hmm. he looked in his post game news conference yesterday. I mean, he looked kind of just his manner. He looked like the rest of us felt, mm-hmm. you know, like he, he just saw what it was almost unbelievable. Com- combination of confused and irritated. Really irritated. Confusitated. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he was confusitated. And finally, this quack. quack. Coca-Cola announced Coca-Cola Plus Coffee. It's a mix of, of your regular Coca-Cola plus Brazilian coffee beans. This is company's second attempt at blending the two drinks together. The predecessor called Coca-Cola Black launched internationally in 2006 and failed miserably. The Coke Plus Coffee product has slightly more caffeine than a regular can of Coke, a whole lot of calories, but it still contains uh, or clocks in and under the traditional cup of coffee, a typical 8-ounce cup of coffee. As somewhere between 95 and 165 milligrams of caffeine. As of now, Coca-Cola Plus Coffee is available in 25 countries, not yet released here. Will you drink it? Uh, I will. Is it cold or hot? I would, cold. Assume, yeah, <laughs> I would assume it's cold coffee, yeah. yeah. No. Nope. 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 nope, not me. Nope. We got I will. nose. We got nope. one. And, one I love, and I love coffee. I don't think so. And is it Diet Coke or regular Coke? <laughs> If it's Diet Coke, I'm still not drinking it. I drink Diet I Coke every day. it's regular. Coffee mixed with drinks is really good. There's a mm. lot of great coffee drinks. Coffee cocktails. Can't make me do it. It's uh, 619, and uh, it's time to update the traffic. Here's Mary with that. A lot going on in the roads this early morning. Northbound Tri-State at Southwest Highway. Watch for an accident in the left lane. Another northbound I-65 at 93rd in the right lane as well. And in Schiller Park, Displains River Road west of Lawrence. Very heavy outbound Kennedy this morning out to the airport. It's 40 minutes already, 26 in. Uh, inbound Eisenhower just building between Mannheim and first inbound Stevenson from the Tri-State, 28 minutes. And the Ryan's 18 from 95th into downtown. For personalized traffic on demand, get the Traffic Chicago app approved by the mortgage experts, Team Hackberg. Just search T-R-A-F-F-I-X Chicago. I'm Mary Vandeveld from the IDOT Traffic Center reminding you to drive responsibly. It really is a matter of life or death. That's it! That's all today for the Top 6 and 6. No more! Sponsored by American Weathermakers Heating and Cooling, the 60-Minute Men. For those of you aware of my uh, undying love for the Chicago Blackhawks, I'm uh, pouting a little bit as well because they didn't look good last night. I'm losing the Caps five to three. You know, I need to get a lot of sleep, and by a lot of sleep, I mean as much as five hours. Yeah, and uh, you know, they just didn't look good. They didn't look good. I don't know. I don't know. But I mean, that like everything else, I'll fix it. All falls on me, as you know. I know. <laughs> 
Thank God that's not true. Weren't you excited to see Kirby Doc out there, though? Yeah, he looked confused. He looked confused, a little intimidated, and I would be, too, if I were him. Yeah, 18 years old. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Middle schoolers want to change the name of a West Side Park. The alderman said he was on board, so why hasn't anything changed in two and a half years? Tonight on WGN-TV News at 9. Friday night, I had the uh, pleasure, Pat Brady as well, uh, uh, joining uh, uh, me, Maureen. We were all out at the Glen Club for the... Um, the induction of Emil Esposito and Len Zeme, uh into the Illinois Golf Hall of Fame. Saw the pictures. Had to be a great night. It was great. And Emil, of course, stole the show, as you would expect he would. Did a lovely speech. Got emotional. Mm-hmm. I talked to him before. I talked to him over the past you know few months about this. I said, listen, don't be a dope. If you cry, it's perfectly fine. This is a huge deal. But, he, you know, he's an 81-year-old uh, Italian guy, and he's proud and, and, and all of that. And um, I, I certainly hope I, I didn't get a chance to talk to him because he had a line of greeters afterwards. But we talked on Saturday a bit, and uh, I, I, I hope that uh, he really does uh, revel in the moment because it should have come years ago. Yeah, he should. He should. I'm and so Lenny happy Zim, for him. Lenny Zim, 50 years of writing yeah. about golf. Uh, I've known Len for a long time. Very happy for both those guys. Uh, Carol Mann also got in, one of the greatest female uh, players of all time, and uh, long overdue there as well. So good job at the Illinois Golf Hall of Fame and setting all that straight. Uh, and then I got a haircut on Saturday. It's not a big day. It looks nice. I noticed it right away. You did notice it. I appreciate that. Looks fresh. Uh, and then in the other 23 hours and 51 minutes of Saturday, I did other stuff. Cause it takes about nine minutes to get my haircut. Would that be your dream to be in the Golf Hall of Fame? No. Oh. I don't deserve it. However, I did win a tournament on Saturday. Wow, yeah. oh. congrats. And when I say win a tournament, I mean rode the back of uh, a friend of mine, uh, Mark Wagner, who had made five birdies in 18 holes. That's good, right? On the way to our victory of the last <laughs> fling. Yeah. Gee, it's good. Okay. That means you get it in one shot. No, less than one shot. Or one extra shot. No, no, it's one. Oh, you're, so, you're so close. One, one under less par. shot. Yes, that's what I meant. If it's a par four, you get a three. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was making putts from way downtown. Anyway, Wags, nice job. He held up the rest of us. And, uh, yeah, we won the last fling at the beautiful White Eagle Golf Club. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. This, of course, gets me into the Masters next year, so I'm excited about that. (laughs) There's a lot of waiting when you play golf, isn't there? Like waiting for the person to go. Well, yeah. I mean, you have to walk to the ball. There's a lot of, like, downtime. There's a lot going on there. You know, you got to hit, and you got to walk to the ball, and then you got to hit again. <laughs> I like it. I don't think you do. All right, uh, headlines in six. We're at Glenn if Steve Grzanich back. And then, and then, Dr. Kevin Most will heal you. 312-981-7200. We always try to work in a call or some text as time allows. Uh, so we'll get to all that coming up. And uh, again, later in the show, Andrea Darlis gloating about her fighting Illini, along with uh, Mary Vandeveld, dancing around. <laughs> it's the only good football news we had all weekend. Yes, it was. Northern lost. Northwestern got thrashed. The Bears were terrible. Yeah. Go Illini! <laughs> I-L-L-I-N-I. Time now for your headlines. Doctor. 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 And doctor. Well, we miss anyone? He's Northwestern Medicine VP. Oh, Dr. Moore's right now. Sponsored by 
Northwestern Medicine relentless in their pursuit of better health care. Good morning, Dr. Kevin Most. How are you? Good morning, Steve. I'm doing great. How about yourself? We're doing fine. You were such a big hit with the flu shots that uh, there were tons and tons of texts that came in after we finished this segment, and um, we sent a few of those to you. You want to fire a few of those off so people might be able to pick up some ancillary information here? Yeah, I mean, there's some really good questions, so I will. I'll kind of crank through these. Um, How many strains of the flu are there? There's three main types, A, B, and C. The influenza vaccine will normally carry uh, four of those, usually two type A's and two type B's, and that's what's in this year. Should the family uh, members that live with an uh, immunocompromised uh, patient get the shot? Absolutely. You're doing it to protect that individual as well. You don't want to expose them to. A good one for seniors, should I get the pneumonia shot first and then a flu shot or the other way around? You can get them both at the same time. So you can get the uh, flu vaccine and one of the pneumonia shots. You have to remember there's two pneumonia shots, the Prevnar 13 and the Prevnar 23. They should be given about six months apart. So you can get uh, one of the pneumonia shots along with the influenza if you if you can. Let me ask you a question that kind of stems yeah. off that that has nothing to do with flu. If yeah. you take multiple prescription meds, and I remember this specifically when my mother was dealing with rheumatoid arthritis, um, and, and you're supposed to take them at a particular time of day, does your body have the ability to discern, and a stupid question, but discern the difference between them so that you can take them all at one time? If Let's say you got four things you're supposed to take in the morning. Yep. You can yep. take them all at one time? For the most part, you really, anybody who's on multiple drugs, there are very simple apps called drug interaction apps. Go in there, put those in. Your doctor should have told you, but go in and put those in, and they'll say that there's no interaction. And then also know there's still some medications that you take on empty stomach, some that you take with food. So you should know that as well. It should say right on the prescription bottle. But for the most part, absolutely. I take my cholesterol, my blood pressure medicine all at the same time at night. And again, read and follow all label directions. Some destination charges may apply. Tax and services are extra. And all of this is because we got the permission of Major League Baseball. All right. Uh, I got a couple more flu questions. Yeah. I uh, just heard last night that the senior flu shot has a shortage. Not so much a shortage. It's more of a delay. And we talked about that on Friday. They delayed the uh, starting of the manufacturing of the vaccine by a month or so. So we're going to start to see more of these trickle in. Call your Walgreens. Call your doctor to see if he has the vaccine. You really should, We really should not be seeing a shortage at all. There'll still be 170 million doses of this as well. And is it safe to go to Walgreens or CVS for the flu shot or should go to my doctor? We all have the exact same vaccine. So another caller or another texter said, hey, you know, maybe the reason people get sick after getting the vaccine is because they're going to some place where sick people are being taken care of. Interesting concept. So going to uh, CBS or Walgreens is not a bad idea. And you're going to start to see a lot of either grocery stores or the Walgreens, you know, offering these vaccines for free to get you in the door. Uh, so take advantage of that as well. And Dr. Verrett, I had a physical the other day. Yeah. All-time low blood pressure. I think it's like 9 over 4 or something. It's super low. <laughs> That's not good either, right? Well, maybe it's not that low. Yeah. But the doctor, Dr. Ambler, the world-famous Dr. Ambler, who is very pleased. Yeah, that's good. I mean, hey, low blood pressure is good. People say, well, how how low can it go? And really, it more it depends on how well you're functioning. So if you if you're walking around and you feel fine and you're able to run up a flight of stairs and your blood pressure is uh, you know 100 over 80 or 100 over 70, that's great. So uh, it's really it's more the blood pressure, how effective your heart can pump and still uh, get enough blood to your brain and to your kidneys and uh, to your heart. 
Yeah. Mine's really low. Sometimes when I try to give Mine's blood, lower. it's too low. Mine's, Mine's lower. totally lower. Then I got to go run okay. around for a while <laughs> before I can give blood. <laughs> Kind of fun. Yeah, they don't ask me to run around. <laughs> um, and, Doc, we got a bunch of shingles questions related to the flu vaccine. Anything we should know about the shingles vaccine? You know, I, I just say one thing I would say about the shingles vaccine is get it. You know, people say, can I get it if I had chicken pox? Can I get it if I haven't had chicken pox? Absolutely, you should get it. The new shingles vaccine is very good. Many individuals say, I got the old one. Should I go and get the new one? And uh, my answer to that is yes, it has much better coverage. The biggest complaint people have is that it's not covered by Medicare. So if you have supplemental insurance, it may be covered. But uh, this is one you can shop around a little bit, too, and see uh, exactly how much it's going to cost you. All right. Well, we come back, Doc. Uh, in just a couple minutes, we're going to uh, you know uh, go over why we talk so much about breast cancer in October. Yep. I gotta say, um, I, I salute uh, all the major breast cancer awareness charities. They have done an amazing job of marketing uh, the need for funds and the need for understanding. And over the course of your career, uh, you got to be amazed at how much cancer technology has changed and all the breakthroughs that have happened. Huh? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And I think we're just the tip of the iceberg, to be honest with you. So for people who say cancer's been around, diagnosed and called cancer for, you know, more than half a century, we're just, why isn't it cured by now? Can you explain that it's a a multifaceted disease? Yeah, absolutely. We say cancer and we think it's one thing, but obviously it's not. You know, there are many, many, many. I I can't even tell you how many different types of cancer there are. You know, just about every organ we have in our body can get cancer to it. So, and then each of those cancers can be different as well. So, you know, cancer, the word just itself is that, you know, the cells multiply in a timely that they shouldn't be and they're abnormal and they cause, wreak havoc and cause many bad things to happen. But when we talk about just general cancer, the advancements that we've made in prevention, identification, and treatment over the past 10 years, 15 years, and what's going to be coming in the future is just um, mind-blowing, to be honest with you. There was a talk of, a, speaking of the flu vaccine and the dead flu virus, uh, there was talk of doing a similar thing with um, injecting or surgically implanting um, dead cancer cells that the body would then recognize and try to attack. Is that gone anywhere? Yeah, it absolutely as you know um one Mayo Clinic has a, a study going on right now for a cancer excuse me a vaccine for breast cancer that looks very promising. Wow. We're also seeing ones for melanoma that is that are very promising. So there's a lot here that we're looking at saying if we can teach the body that this cancer is abnormal because the body normally sees it as it's normal it doesn't fight it. But if we can show that it's abnormal we can turn the immune system on to fight cancer at an early stage. That's going to be the future of of cancer therapy. Come back, talk more about breast cancer in a moment. Back with Dr. Kevin Moe, sponsored by Northwestern Medicine. Relentless in their pursuit of better health care. October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Over 3 million breast cancer survivors in the United States. Over 350,000 women will receive a diagnosis of breast cancer this year. 40,000 can still die from the same disease. The work continues, G. I had a friend who passed away from breast cancer at age 27. She had a very aggressive form of Sorry, breast cancer. And um, she never had any sign of cancer in her family. So she didn't even know to really look out for it. Um, I There's been so much debate about at what age should you 
t- you know, get a mammogram and when you should be actually concerned and actively um, thinking about breast cancer as a possibility? Yeah, G, um, sorry for the loss of your friend. That's Those are the stories that we hate to hear, you know, because did we let that person down by not screening at that time? But in all honesty, at that age, it's that's that's a very rare cancer. So... There is a lot of controversy as far as when we should start screening for mammogram or start screening for breast cancer. A lot of societies will say 40, other societies will say 50. And I think this is one of those where it's a good personal conversation with your physician to hear what he he or she feels, and then also to make sure that you're doing a great family history. Individuals who have a history of breast cancer in their family definitely should be screened early. And now it's a matter of, is it even before 40? Are we going to capture some of those individuals just like we're starting to see with colon cancer? It seems, too, I've had a couple of girlfriends who, you know, detected the lump in their breasts themselves. It was never detected by doctors and it was before they were even 40. Um, I guess, you know, we're told that we're supposed to do self exams and when to do them. But what are we really supposed to be looking for? What would feel odd? Yeah. So really, you are, you are looking for those lumps. You are looking for growth. So, you know, if, if you feel the breast normally and it feels very nice and smooth and no, no um, uh, unusual, we'll say, bumps or masses, and that's what really you're looking for. You're looking to see if there's anything unusual from the last time you did it. The self-exam is great. It's one, one is great for awareness. You know, two, it's keeping it on the top of everyone's mind and making sure that we're always thinking about it and also to remind you, know, to, you know, to talk to your doctor about it. A good self-breast exam is great if you've been taught by your doctor how to do it and your doctor will actually do it and tell you what to look for and how to do it. Probably the bigger thing is now is that the advancements of the radiology portion of it have been so great that the self-exam is great to do, but often it is going to be that mammogram that's going to find it. The other thing you said, too, is kind of interesting. One of these is when we find a mass, everyone thinks, oh, my gosh, this is cancer, and it's often just a cyst. So breasts can have cysts, which are fluid-filled, benign masses, I'll say, um, but individuals can uh, identify them early, and then we can do an ultrasound to see if it's solid, where it's cancer, and we'd be concerned, versus just a fluid-filled cyst, and we're a lot, we're not as concerned, and often we'll just go in and aspirate that. Because it's honestly, psychologically, it's difficult because you're, you know, doing the exam, and then you're like, oh, that feels weird, that feels odd. You don't really know, like, what to really look for, so that is a good point to actually go through that with your doctor. Yeah. Yeah. And if you find something to go through with the doctor and say, here, this is where it is. Let me. And he says, okay. He or she looks at it and says, okay, that's great. I feel that as well. Let's get some further testing on it. Now, once that testing is done, it's either going to be, hey, let's let's do a lumpectomy. Let's take that out of there. Or, boy, we just did an ultrasound and that's a fluid-filled cyst. Don't worry about it. But now you know that's there. And you can go, oh, okay, that one is there. It hasn't changed in size. Great. We already know that that one's okay. We'll get Mary uh, Vandervelt in here if you'd like, Mary. But first, risk factors for breast cancer. Let me throw some of these out. How big a deal is age? 
Age, you know, we know that it's going to continue to increase. And now, as G said, you know, had a friend in her 20s, but really it's going to start to increase from the age of 40 on up. And as we age, we're going to see a higher chance all the way up to about the age of 70 when it kind of levels out. Genetics a huge deal. The BRCA gene, is there a good test for it? And how do we know we need it? That's what I was going to ask about, because I know two people recently that just got tested for that and they're positive. So they went through mastectomies. Yeah. Yeah, so the BRCA gene is it's it's fairly unusual or it's fairly rare, but it is out there. In the BRCA gene, essentially, we have genes, we have um, uh, genetic uh, ability to actually correct some cancers before they occur. BRCA gene is one of those. So if you have a if your genes are working right and there's a small defect, it's going to eliminate that. The BRCA gene doesn't allow that to happen, and it becomes damaged, and it no longer can repair broken DNA, and therefore your incidence and your risk of, of cancers, not only breast cancer but other cancers, can go up. So very important for people, if they have a family history of, of breast cancer, ovarian cancer, you're going to see the doctors doing the, the blood test for the BRCA gene. Do you have follow-up with that, Mary, or was that where you were going? No, that well, I also had a, a question about the three D, the, the mammograms yeah, yeah. that are the big thing now. It seems have they made an advancement in finding a breast cancer earlier as well? Absolutely. You know, we used to do breast uh, mammograms, and it just was essentially two dimensional. It was just a, you know a couple different views of the breast. And now with the tomosynthesis, so if you see if you're going to have um, a mammogram done, make sure you're going someplace that has something called digital tomosynthesis. It's fairly common right now. The machines are a little expensive, but, you know, most places have them. And instead of just taking three different views of the breast, it actually takes 11 different shots. And then that information is sent to the computer, and they make a a three-dimensional picture. So, you know, you can look and say, oh, I see a spot, but I don't know how deep that is with traditional mammograms. And therefore, you have to have additional MRIs or other additional tests. Where with the TOMO, it's going to tell me exactly where it is, not just in the upper outer quadrant, but how deep it is and where it is in proportion to other parts of the breast. All of the risk factors are listed in the notes that will be posted with the podcast of this shortly after the show. And we encourage you to listen to it again and uh, make sure you're up to date on it. And we're not trying to scare you. It's just the risk factors can help determine what your next step should be just to take care of yourself. Um, all right, one last word from you, if you would. Male breast cancer. Every time we do a segment like this, you know, we do get calls from people who go, hey, what about male breast cancer? Is Though it's much uh, smaller as far as the slice of the population goes, it's obviously a very big deal for anybody that deals with it. Yeah, it is. And, you know, the the awareness there is great as well. You know, um, I believe it was Beyonce's father, if I'm not mistaken, was just diagnosed with with breast cancer. Right. So just that awareness portion of it, men have breasts as well. Their tissue is not as, as much as women, and they don't have as much of the hormone issues that can uh, trigger this as well. But it still is there, less than 1%, probably less than a half of a percent. But even for males, if you notice any discharge from your breasts, if you notice any blood, if you notice any uh, discomfort there, definitely get it checked out. It's extremely rare, but you know we still have to realize that men still can get breast cancer. Thank you, Doc. As always, your information is crucial. You do so much good for all of us just hearing you talk about this stuff. So, again, we're just trying to fire you up to take good care of yourself. And as always, you're sponsored by Northwestern Medicine, Relentless in their pursuit of better health care. I hope you have a good Monday. You got it. You, you got to take there, care. You have a good Monday. Talk to you later. All right. See you later. Bye. bye. That's Dr. Kevin Most. He's so good, it's ridiculous. All right. Stand by and hold on to something. Dan Hampton's coming up to talk about the Bears. You've been warned.
Uh, we'll get to that after we get to the news. And Steve Grzanich is back and feeling better. We'll do that right now. An animal! Dan Hanker's a young Bears defense. An animal! It's time for Dan Hampton. Brought to you by ChevyDriveChicago.com. And as I tooled in this morning in White Lightning, beautiful Chevy Tahoe, I was thinking about Hamp. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about, here's a guy who gave his blood, his sweat, yep. his tears to this organization. Not to see a performance like yesterday, Dave, to see actual NFL football. And after the game, because of our commitment to the Hawks, which we love the Hawks, Hamp loves the Hawks, mm-hmm. Hamp didn't get a chance to express himself. No. So I worried deeply about his family last night as he did his own post-game show at home. Yes, and he's been sitting by the phone ever since waiting for this moment. Let's go to the Hall of Famer now. Good morning, Hemp. Well, I do owe a huge debt of gratitude to the uh, the Blackhawks. It, it it was obviously a situation where Obradovich and I would have either been thrown off radio forever or I would have been arrested. So uh, if we would have had a, a, a truly live performance on uh, the pregame show yesterday. So in, a, in an abstract way, the, the Hawks saved what little career we have. <laughs> All right. I, I have a, a, what I believe is an obvious question, but right off the bat, why do you only run the ball seven times? Well, two things. Number one, this team doesn't know what it's doing. And, and essentially, you know, the game of football, is, uh, you know, the, the, the consummate team sport. And it's it's about organization. And, you know, there's, there's countless stories of uh, inferior athletic talent achieving great things because of, you know, plans and execution and preparation and all these things that, you know, we, that, you know, it's a, it's, it's a great metaphor for life. And, Unfortunately, we don't seem to get it. We uh, we won 12 games last year, and we strutted around all off season like we had actually accomplished something. When, in fact, we we accomplished very little. And getting beat at home by a uh, inferior football team in the Philadelphia Eagles is almost, in a way, alarming. But we acted like, oh, not only have we arrived, but you need to make sure our reservations are ready for us for dinner. And this is a team that I don't really identify with. You know, think about this. You know, I, on the sidelines, uh, they had the sweatshirts with Monster of the Midway, Monsters of the Midway. I didn't see no Monsters of the Midway yesterday. I saw a bunch of guys getting slapped around. And, and in a way, uh, you know, the guys that I played with, we recoil in horror. That's not the way you play the game. You let people come in and dominate you. And this is off of a, a two-week break after you were embarrassed overseas. So there's there's a lot of issues with this football team, but only running it seven times? What's next? We're going to run it three times? You know, Matt Nagy, uh, unfortunately, has kind of got a little um, uh, megalomania going where he thinks he knows all the answers. And right now, this team has got zero answers. Hamp, let me uh, flip to defense. And against Oakland, the Raiders ran for 169 yards. And yesterday, the Saints, without uh, Kamara, uh, with Latavius Murray doing most of the ball carrying, uh, ran for 151. Is that 
because Akeem Hicks is out? I mean, how does a team carve up the Bears' run defense that way? That's part of it. The other part is, hey, the Saints are a pretty good team. They've got a good offensive line. Their defensive line, obviously, was superior to what we, you know, put on the field. And essentially, it, you know, that that that's the uh, that's the underscore of the whole uh, uh, debacle. You know, this wasn't the New Orleans Saints at its its finest moment and in playoff peak form. They didn't have the quarterback. They didn't have the running back. Two of the very best players in all of the NFL and a tight end that's very good. So, I, I, I mean, to me, that is what is alarming. Now, we know the offense is is not only uh, uh, deficient, but they're dysfunctional. They they don't run the ball because they know they can't run the ball. But we, we don't throw the ball because we know our quarterback's not very good at throwing the ball. So what do we do? We throw it a bunch of little crossing routes to uh, Cohen. I think he had nine catches and 19 yards. You can't make this stuff up. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yards. He did. That, that, you can't make – I mean, uh, look, this summer we had the 100-year you know celebration of a, a century of Chicago Bear and NFL football. And – how were we to know that this team was going to do certain things that break records that have stood for hundreds of years? Seven rushing attempts is the lowest in history. Yeah. I'm catching nine nine catches for not, uh, 19 yards. It breaks a record somewhere. Here's the thing, Amp. Uh, the expectations going into this year could not have been higher. The expectations haven't come close to being met, and all of the anger and all the disappointment is completely legitimate. So here we are, six games in, eight weeks in. How do you turn it around? They're going to get back to basics, you know. And again, the the, the basics is preseason. It's training camp. Learning to block, learning to stay low, learning to keep your hands in, learning not to hold, not to what, learning how to pass rush, learning how to get off of blocks. Do all these different things that we're not doing on Sunday. You know, these guys are making a fortune and. They're they're not only unprepared. It seems to me they're unwilling to go that extra step in trying to, you know, become more proficient. At last year, in, in a way, almost seems like you know a mirage. But we did a lot of good things last year. But but you know you you mentioned the Keen Hicks. Yes, he's a very good player. Yeah, we miss him, but he's gone. You can't worry about it. You got to have other guys step up. Elon Nichols. Uh, Roy Robertson Harris. You, so a lot of these guys never got a call. You know, Khalil Max making $141 million, and yeah, they double teamed him here and there. I remember a guy that, you know, got double teamed an awful lot, but he wasn't invisible when we played. So, you know, he's got to do more. He's got to find, you know, there was a, uh, a play where he was rushing the passer, and then Bridgewater got out of the pocket and was running, and he kind of made some kind of weak attempt to. The tackling and Bridgewater made the first down, and and it was early in the game. It was early in the game where every play mattered, and at some point, that's the guy that's got to make plays, and he has not been producing. So, you know, you, you, are you going to go back and question Chuck Pagano? Yeah, he's got he's culpable, but essentially, this is a football team that showed up with an entitlement attitude, and I and the great Ed Obradovich was beating the drums early in the year saying, hey, 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 watch out. 
we know how this can happen. We know what happens when you you show up and you think, oh, I don't have to break a sweat. We're really great. Look at our record last year. Oh, I'm I'm making a lot of money. You don't don't ask me to do anything in practice. These are the, the these are the the things that contribute to a losing football team. And sooner or later, they got to shake it off. And you know, Nagy had a bunch of mumbo jumbo on his press conference. But one thing he did say was something's got to change. We'll find out if there is indeed going to be changes. But if they don't do something soon, they better change the name to the Chicago Possums. Because we play dead at home and get killed on the road. And that's not good enough. I want to get David here for the last one, but I just want to reiterate what you just said. You guys had more talent than anybody maybe ever in football. You won one. I know uh, it bugs you all the time that you didn't get at least two or three or four more. Are you saying that there were some guys on the team that were acting like, well, we got it done, now it'll just happen? Because at least you guys got one. Well, there's no question. Hey, look, and I, I say it all the time. Somehow, some way, you know, you know, we have to win another Super Bowl someday. Look, the Super Bowl's been around. I think this is the uh, year fifty-four or five, and we've got one. The law of averages are such we deserve, and we need to be able to be in and win another Super Bowl, and it will happen. Now, will it happen with this group? We thought, hey, we had a great opportunity. We had a great a team that was staged, ready to go. But you know what? I'll never forget how hard we worked in training camp that year of 85. You know, and, 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 and they did not do it. You have, in life, you have to earn the right. And this entitlement attitude, it's repulsive. And you know what? It, it, it's, it doesn't get it done. And shame on the coaches and especially Matt Nagy for not only allowing this, but festering it, uh, foisting it upon us, all the while telling us, oh, yeah, we got this. We don't need preseason. Oh, yeah, we got this. Yeah, we, we know what we're doing. Well, evidently, it's time to get back to the drawing board because this team at 3-3, three and three, they can still make a run. But, my goodness, what we saw yesterday was all-time bad bear football. Dick. Talk, tick tock, time be running out. Dave, last word. Okay, <clears throat> and by the way, the, the the golf, the gap between the Bears and the top of the NFC looks to be a little wider than we thought it yep. was. And but but real quick, one of the issues that came up in the post game hamp was the idea of possibly uh, Nagy giving up the offensive play calling responsibilities, which he said if it happens, we wouldn't know. Um, is is that? the kind of change that you would expect the Bears to make at this point? Something has to be done. And, you know, when the leader makes sacrifices, obviously, you know, he's got an ego and he thinks he's the world's greatest, uh, you know, play-calling magician. For him to do that and say, okay, we're we're desperate, we're trying to make something, it it sends a message, sure. And if if it's more, uh, uh, if it's a positive change and there is positive effects, on the offense, and they are more in rhythm. You know, even the, the, the little quarterback's going, oh, we're out of rhythm. Duh. You never did anything. How can you get in rhythm? You know, it's like having 100 people fly into a city and put them on the stage and say, okay, play something. Hey, you got to practice. You have to prepare. Maybe Matt Nagy has lost a certain edge or touch in his play calling because we've seen it from the beginning to the end. We haven't even got over 300 yards in total offense. We played six games, 
something's got to change, maybe that would be a good way to get things going. Texter says, I know it'd be on cable, and I mean the kind that only adults could watch, but I'd pay to watch Hamp and OB watch the Bears, and I never paid for a pay-per-view ever. Well, we may have a new revenue stream there, Hamp. You know what? The great Mark Carmen has been saying, you guys need to be on this Twitter feed. And me and OB go, nope, we'll be arrested. <laughs> right. <laughs> all right, buddy. Thanks for all of that, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, Friday, go Bears. Sponsored by ChevyDriveChicago.com. The live and local sound of Radio Chicago, 720. Monitoring our monitors, which is what we do here. Uh, We got uh, 48 um, uh, TV monitors up. Not one with the Flintstones, by the way, which upsets me. Uh, But uh, Jesse Sharkey's all over TV this morning. And doing a live impromptu uh, uh, press sort of thing right now. And Steve, you've been able to monitor anything? We are monitoring, listening to it in another ear right now, Steve. And the uh, he is uh, again. The, the feeling is there has been some positive movement made in talks, but still a little bit of ground to cover. Um, he's talking about how quickly some of those other issues might be resolved. In saying it might be a couple of days, um, they could get something going here as they get uh, proposals on things that they've wanted. Uh, Again, a f- positive feeling coming from the teachers this morning. What do we know that they made progress on? Are they, are they, they've been, you know, uh, upfront about that, or that's that yeah. more confidential? No. The uh, so talks ended last night. One of the things that they reached agreement on, actually reached agreement on, were issues affecting students um, who are homeless. Uh, the school counselors issue, which was a major part of this walkout, and early childhood educators, the number of early childhood educators. Those are uh, some of the issues they've actually reached agreement on. They're still working, obviously, on smaller class sizes and more resources for schools. So those are some of the outstanding issues still on the table. I spoke to uh, some Chicago teachers who didn't want to come on the air, but uh, they're not entirely thrilled with Jesse Sharkey. What sense do you have from a news standpoint about how he's doing as a front man? Well, he appears to be doing fine. I mean, he's, uh, you know, we, we, it's kind of a, I guess, a, you know, personal thing to have an opinion on something like that. But, I mean, he's got his teachers behind him. They've walked off the job. He seems to be leading them to uh, these agreements on these key issues and what's going on behind closed doors. Nobody really knows. But the fact that they're able to make some movement here is, is it has to be positive no matter how you look at it. And texters, 312-981-7200. Love to hear from uh, teachers how you feel, parents how you feel. Mm-hmm kids how you feel about the possibility of having to go back to school when you thought you'd never have to go again (laughs) so but i agree with what steve said earlier you know if you love school i love school when i was in school i'd like to go back now wow that's surprising to me i don't know why (laughs) i don't know what to say to that uh but school i really like school and i didn't like not being in school i didn't even like snow days well you know school for a lot of kids is a reprieve from home so um you know they'd well, rather there was a be, little of that, yeah sure. they'd rather be at school than at home i think it depends on uh you know your circumstances and it sounds good that they've gotten some of those issues with uh homelessness uh, addressed as well yeah, I mean, there's a couple of different ways you can look at it. If we were, if we had the teachers off the job and they were not reporting progress and there were no negotiations, that would be one thing. But the fact that they're still talking, another negotiating session will start this morning, and uh, hopefully agreements will be hammered out here in the next day or so. It sounds like, too, that the union got language added to the contract to ensure pre-K classrooms have a 10 to 1 student to adult ratio as well. That's so. been agreed on? Yeah, it sounds sounds like they got that added as well. So I know that that was, as Steve said, was a huge um, issue, class sizes. But so, I think they've figured it out for the pre-K, but not for 
K and above. So we're not talking about money at all at this point, Steve, as far as teacher salaries go. No, and all of the news that's been coming out, and even in this last contract, at least in this newscast, it's now over. Um, he really hasn't talked at all about salaries. It's all of these other issues. Uh, again, spending a lot of time talking about class sizes. Mm-hmm. Um, in some special ed cases, there are uh, room, uh, he described one room that is meant for, I think he said 10 kids, and there are 16 kids in there. Um, so those are the kinds of things that they're hammering on. A lot of social justice issues that I think are really hard to articulate in general to the public so sometimes that gets a little bit lost in translation i think yeah and i would encourage everybody involved in this if you've got stake in the game to not just believe what your friends are telling you to actually take a look at what's being covered here and other places uh, by people are trying to report the facts to you because look you know it's it's easy for me to sit here and go i see both sides but i do there's only so much money and the money has to be allocated in a, in a fair and equitable way. Well, that's on the mayor and the mayor's office, largely. I think if you're reasonable, you can definitely see both sides. You know? Right. But I totally get Which what the teachers, the teachers, yeah. you know, you want your, your kid to be taught and get a decent education. You can't have twice the class size they were supposed to have. That's why this is all so tough. So, all right. So uh, let's get to the headlines. Steve is standing by with all of the news, including that, right now on 720 WGN. Nylander came along, pokes it ahead, came. have a pair of tickets to see the Blackhawks play the Vegas Golden Knights tomorrow night. Courtesy of Four Seasons Heating, Air Conditioning, and Plumbing. And you know what I've always told you? If you get an opportunity to go to a Hawks game, take it. If there's a family function, tell them to get them next time. Wedding, funeral, baby shower, you'll get them next time. Hawks tickets are too hard to come by. And uh, happy to give these away to the seventh caller. 312-981-7200. That's the number. When you hear Kaner score the game-tying goal later, well, you could call again. And Rokon and Anna Devontis are giving away another pair of tickets this afternoon. Make sure to tune in every Monday for more chances to win tickets to Blackhawks games from our friends at Four Seasons. Uh, can I hear the Kaner clip? Nylander came along, pokes it ahead. Kane over the capital line, right circle. Shoot the star! Patrick Kane! That was a cool goal, too. He had about eight inches of space Mm -hmm. to shove that puck in and uh, got it done. Um, All right. The Hawks are going to be fine. Uh, And I want you to get to the game. So listen later on in the 9 o'clock hour. If you're not the winner right now, and Joe's working on that. Let me go to our friend Ryan Nobles from CNN. 740 in the morning. Steve Cochran Show continues on a cloudy um, uh, kind of fall-like day here in Chicago. Ryan, it's going to rain later in case you wanted the Chicago forecast. Thank you. I appreciate the update. If you want to know what the weather's like in uh, D.C., gloomy and gray, we actually got uh, quite a bit of rain, which we've needed. It's been a very dry summer, so I'm not complaining about a little bit of rain here in Washington, D.C. I think with all the wind coming out of politicians' mouths, you'd be able to have a problem uh, cleared because weather systems be blowing through there right and left. Hey, uh, you've been on the Bernie Sanders beat for a while. He looked great after the heart attack. I'm not recommending a heart attack to anyone, but uh, he looked really good. I tell you what, I was with him in Queens on Saturday, uh, by far the biggest crowd he's had, I think, at any point in his political career, even going back to, well, I shouldn't say that because there were some crowds in late 2016 uh, where he was drawing pretty massive crowds. But they, the campaign said, and we don't uh, report official crowd counts, but the campaign said it was somewhere in the range of 25,000, and having been in the middle of all of it, I would not uh, 
disagree with that figure. It was overwhelming. It certainly helped that he had a boost from uh, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. It was her district there in Queens, where she's very popular. Uh, There was a lot of energy and enthusiasm behind his campaign. His supporters were very happy to see him back. He looked good. He sounded good. Um, I've actually been around him quite a bit since he had the heart attack. I spent a week in Burlington um, as he was recovering. He definitely seems to be a, a bit reinvigorated after the heart attack. He was not feeling well prior to it happening. But I do think that it's naive to think that it's not going to have an impact on him. Uh, already, age was a factor for him. His his hardcore supporters, the 25,000 that were there the other day, they were never going anywhere. Bernie's problem has always been trying to build on that base of support, and I can't imagine that's going to help him. A new poll in Iowa today shows him actually slipping behind Mayor Pete, so he's got still has a lot of work to do, but... Here's the, the big thing we cannot forget about Bernie Sanders, Steve, and that's that he has $30 million in the bank. That's way more than anybody else. So it's not as if he's going anywhere anytime soon. You know, if he and Pete Buttigieg got together, you could have like a before and after ticket. <laughs> I hadn't thought about it. Um, listen, uh, I, I, I don't agree with Bernie's policies. Uh, you know, this idea that you can just suddenly give a bunch of money, take it from one pile, put it in another pile. You're going to pay for everybody's college. You're going to pay for everything. It's got to come from somewhere. So, but his enthusiasm fascinates me, the enthusiasm for him, because, well, on the outward, he seems like the uncle you really don't want to run into at the Thanksgiving dinner because he's always going to yell at you. <laughs> Um, he has, uh, uh, the people that love him, love him hard. Well, and I also think about Bernie Sanders, and I don't think we appreciate enough, is that he has tapped into the same level of anxiety among a very significant group of Americans that Donald Trump has also tapped into. He's had a completely different perspective, but I don't think all right, we got, we're losing Ryan on a wacky phone, but I want to get that point in because I think it's interesting talking about how Bernie Sanders and Trump maybe aren't so different. <laughs> well, they both have interesting hair. <laughs> you know? See, now you're they, fascinated. They, I am thinking about this. They yeah, do all talk right, so this. restate your point because we want to know how you're tying this together, the Trump-Bernie thing. Right, so I think that both of them have tapped into a level of anxiety among a very significant crop of Americans, particularly working-class white Americans, that feel that they've been left behind in this new economy, an economy that's increasingly automated, an economy that has far less manufacturing jobs, an economy that just different than it was when they were children. And, you know, Sanders' argument is that, you know, we need to do more to kind of empower the working class and basically take that away from, the billionaires of, of the country, you know, he blames kind of the corporate America structure for this problem, where Donald Trump's attitude has been that we need to empower corporate America to create more jobs. You know, they're both kind of preaching to the same choir, but it's the way that message is received that I think is has kind of resonated differently. But, but Ryan, I also would, think... Wouldn't you say there's a big age difference, though, within the anxiety that's being tapped in the in the groups? Well, actually, I think there's actually a point to be made here that, yes, there are a lot of older, particularly white working class Americans that feel that. But there are, you know, when you look at millennials in particular, college age kids who really tap into Bernie's message. I mean, that, you know, that crowd that I was at uh, on Saturday, 25,000 was significantly a lot of young people. And these are people that are starting to come up into the economy and feel that there isn't a ton of opportunity for them or they're not in a position where they can have a job that guarantees them a certain level of health care. 
a certain level of retirement expectation, a certain level of, uh, you know, the guarantee of a 40-hour work week. Uh, these are all things that Sanders talks about on a pretty regular basis. So, you know, it's kind of an interesting divide with Sanders supporters in that there are a lot of young people that support him. He actually doesn't do as well with older Americans, the, you know, that type of class. And I think that might break down over racial uh, backgrounds. Uh, tend to, to be who kind of fall in that line of thinking tend to fall in line more with President Trump. So, but I guess the broader message I'm trying to make here is if Democrats don't understand this, right? If they don't tap into and pay attention to the angst that uh, that exists with this group of Americans, this is where you allow Donald Trump to fill that void again. And that's the thing that Sanders rails on over and over and over again. That you know that Trump understood this. When the Democratic Party didn't understand it four years ago, that's part of why he's president. And if the Democrats don't rectify that message, problem, you know, Donald Trump could be in a position to win again. Um, the biggest story today, of course, and we'll let you go on this, Ryan, is the fact that Mitt Romney apparently has a shadow Twitter account <laughs> under the name of Pierre Delecto. Uh, Pierre Delecto made me laugh as almost as hard as I laughed when we found out that Anthony Weiner's fake Twitter account was Carlos Danger. Yes, yeah, and it, yeah, it was definitely a gut check time for those of us that cover Capitol Hill because we all quickly checked our Twitter accounts to see if Pierre Delecto was uh, following us. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, I haven't been on Capitol Hill enough, so I did not make the cut for people of, of reporters that uh, Pierre thought uh, necessary to follow. Although several CNN colleagues did make the cut, so yeah, very interesting times. That, that article in general was very interesting about around uh, me, and I think he's going to be in. A very interesting player in all of this as the impeachment moves forward. You know, um, you know, I, I, Chris Wallace this weekend on, on his Fox show actually told Mick Mulvaney, the high-ranking Republican, told him that 20 percent of Republicans were ready to jump and support the impeachment inquiry and the ultimate removal from office of President Trump. There's definitely, you know, kind of a, a boiling simmer underneath, you know, in these uh, private cloakrooms of the Senate. Uh, with the Senate Republican caucus that is very nervous about the way that this impeachment uh, proceeding is headed. And, you know, we've said in the beginning, you know, the conventional wisdom that if it gets to the Senate, it dies there. I do not think that that's uh, necessarily the outcome here. I still think it's likely that Republicans abandon President Trump, but I do think that this thing needs to play out before we make any predictions. Well, question is, what would Pierre Delecto do? Uh, Ryan Nobles. Do? <laughs> Ryan Nobles, thank you, buddy. Thanks, guys. Have a good week. That's Ryan Nobles from CNN. And uh, this occurs to me that maybe I need a fake Twitter account. So <laughs> we'll open up a mini text what? question here at 312-981-7200. What do you suggest my fake Twitter account name be? 312-981-7200. Okay. You only need a fake Twitter account if you're holding back saying what you really feel on your real Twitter account. I don't know. It might be fun just to have one anyway. <laughs> So uh, what is my fake Twitter name? Let me know. Uh, who knows? I may adopt your suggestion, except for the ones that I know are coming in right now. Uh, what's your kid doing in his bedroom forever? And is he turning it into a career? Eh, not my first day. 312-981-7200 is the number to text. We'll come back with a guest to explain that in a moment. All right. Those parents and grandparents listening right now are going, I'm just worried about the boy. He spends too much time alone looking at a screen. Well, what if he's turning it into a college education? Or he or she is turning it into a job. You can literally invent a career now. And the sports journalism world, Dave, is no different. I know you know our friend Kobe, who I'm going to bring on the air right now. Kobe's a senior in high school. Good morning, Kobe. We're doing just fine. All right, so Kobe, uh, this has nothing to do with what may or may not have happened at Northwestern on Friday night. You have been an Ohio State football fan for a long time, right? 
So tell people what you did. Well, um, another bad fall. Thirty in the afternoon, and I could see the uh, the guys get off the buses and you know, watch the game, and stayed after. You know what? I'm gonna have to. You know, I'm gonna have to tell Kobe's story. We got another bad yep. phone. Is that us or is that the phones? Do we know? We don't know. Here's what Kobe did to make the point that we attempted to make there. And Kobe, I apologize for the phone. Uh, Kobe, I said, high school senior. He wants to pursue a career in sports media journalism. So he took his fan base, his fan love, I should say, for Ohio State. Again, this has nothing to do with what may or may not have happened Friday night. It's just a story separately. Right, right. I understand that. Um, And he uh, started doing profiles of players on that team. He had one for Terry McLaurin. Where's Terry Plato? Uh, I believe with the Washington Redskins. And that got 17,000 views until Twitter took it down because the music was copyrighted. Oh, so, okay, so he's doing the reviews. How long are they? I don't know. Let's see if the phone will hold up and we'll ask him. Kobe, how long were these pieces? Uh, About, like, uh, two minutes, depending on how many highlights there were. Now, players. now, you know this. I'm talking to old people like me now, Kobe, and your parents, yeah. who I'm sure have been nagging you about this. Um, this is a type of thing where you take your passion for something and your creativity, and you combine it with what you can do on social media, and all sorts of cool things can happen. Exactly. Um, obviously, like, in the world of social media today, like, every, that's where everything is. That's how people get exposed and how people get exposure like that, so... It's just a good way for me to express my passion and put my name out there and show people what I can do. Yeah, because now, think about this. The ego of someone who is a V Ohio State fan who sees this, now maybe they've got a job or maybe they work, you know, maybe they're part of college admissions and they see, well, this is a creative kid that's doing this. Mm -hmm. I don't so much care about the profile. I care about the kid that put it together. I think this is super smart, Kobe. Yeah, well, I appreciate that because I just submitted my application to Ohio State a few <laughs> days ago. So hopefully, you know, uh, the people in the admissions program will see this. So, <laughs> so, so Kobe, I, I hope this isn't too personal a question for you. You said you did apply to Ohio State. By did the way, you, I'd like to just correct both of you. Apparently, it's the Ohio State, the Ohio State well, they, University. They, they filed for trademark, but it got rejected. Right, oh, yeah, right. Did you but, also apply to the University of Michigan? I did not. I would never do that. Oh, come on, man. I, I, step it up. I, would, I, I could never give them my money. <laughs> Just to be clear, it's your parents' money. Uh. Well, yeah. That's too. My mom was telling me I should as a joke. I'm like, Mom, why would you waste your money there? <laughs> Yeah, and Super Joe, who produces I think his show, cell phone is breaking up again. Is it breaking up yeah, again? Yeah, I think it's breaking up again. <laughs> yeah. So, Kobe, if you got somebody listening right now, let's do this two, quickly two ways. If you're a parent or a grandparent worried about a kid spending too much time online, first, find out if they're a criminal, and then secondarily, <laughs> if they're not, encourage them. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Uh, yeah, if, people, if someone has a passion for something, go for it. And if you're a kid and you really believe in something and you don't quite know how to express it or show it and you're on social media all the time, what do you suggest to them? Uh, just fi- find a way to uh, express that passion. Like, look at what other people are doing and try to make your own thing out of that. Right. You can ma- you can invent a career at this point. Uh, Kobe wants to do sports journalism. He could invent a whole new facet of sports journalism. Yes, he could. He may hire you, Dave, someday. Mm-hmm. Well, look, this is how I started in the business. Right. 
Of course, in your case, not was, on Twitter, but you, no, you're chipping <laughs> yes. it into stone tablets yeah. and running oh, it village no, to village. No. Yeah, that's right. You used to read them. Kobe, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you so much. Have a good day. See you, Kobe. That's how I found out. The town crier came well. into my village, and then Org, the caveman next door, brought it over. I love when you two fight. It's so cute. See, I let Kobe come up and uh, hang out in the booth at Northwestern one day. If Had I known of his love for Ohio State, I'm not sure I would have done that. <laughs> By the way, my fake Twitter handles are starting to come in now. Hugo Blowhard, uh, Slap Me Silly, Kid Pro Quo. <laughs> I like that one. It's good. Plumbing Shop Steve and Nico Salami. It's a little different than Rico Suave. Uh, Northwestern Medicine Newsroom is where Steve will be next. Ladies and gentlemen. Dean Richards joins us from Channel 9. Citizens of the world. Some of the world's greatest entertainers are here tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, may I present to you. And tonight, guess what? It's going to be Dean. Yeah, He's on the road again. I'm starting to think he doesn't like the people he works with. Live from. Live from. Is it L.A.? Are you in L.A. or New York this morning? New York City, my friend. Ah, so it's already, well, noon there. (laughs) It's 3 o'clock in the afternoon here. All right, so a few minutes ago, before I ask you about why you're there, uh, we talked about the fact that Mitt Romney has a fake Twitter account, and his fake Twitter Twitter name is Pierre Pierre Delecto. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't speak a lot of French, as you know. My main French uh, comes from um, Pepe Le Pew. You and I are famous for our French accents, but I'm not sure why well, let me, Pierre Delecto would be. Study, uh, I did study French uh, in school, so I can translate that uh, for you. And uh, P- Pierre Delecto translated means Peter Delecto. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's really insightful. I appreciate that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, sure. Happy to help. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Um, I asked the audience, I said, if I had a fake Twitter account, what would my name be? Here's a few suggestions, Dean. Moron minus one. Uh, 219 says, uh, your fake Twitter account, Steve, should be I'm a moron. It's a lot, lot of moron stuff in here. But then there's uh, others like Band Man, Slap Me Silly, uh, Plumbing Shop Steve, after you know the people that stole my ID. A bunch of grandparent things. One that I like is Pop Shady. Remember Slim Shady? Uh-huh. I'm Pop Shady. Pop Shady, yeah. Yeah, and then two on nine, I'm a moron. The moron theme seems to be uh, catching on worldwide. How about that uh how about that tweet that you responded to over the weekend where uh, somebody was in San Diego watching uh, a fine uh what, what's our company called? Our next star. Next star. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Next star media. I almost said Tribune Media. Old habits die hard. Sure. Uh, watching watching one of our fine sister stations in San Diego and heard me doing uh, movie reviews there, and uh, wondered if there was a split in the uh, in Moron uh, Worldwide, Moron Entertainment right. Worldwide. Thought there'd been a break. I moved moved to uh, San Diego. Uh, and you responded that uh, we're on a trial separation, <laughs> right? Right, right. Which was very, which was very nice. But uh, my uh, my reviews are uh, seen on many of our our fine television stations all across this great land of ours. And by so the way, are, by the way, Dean, uh, don't be shy about this. Dean gets a dollar for every time one of his reviews runs somewhere else. Wow! I don't like to brag. I don't like to brag, yeah. but yeah, yeah it's, it's a, it's a it's whole extremely, dollar. Extremely. 
extremely lucrative uh, for me. But when we say more on entertainment worldwide, we're not kidding. No, we're yeah, we're we're a global enterprise. It turned out when I was in um, Prague a couple of weeks ago, moron in Czech is still moron. Oh, yeah. isn't that uh, Bobet? Yeah. No, Bobet's his idiot. Oh. <laughs> yeah, because I misused Bobet's at one point, and they said, no, no, you're a moron. <laughs> yeah, very, that's a very, very different. We are not idiots. We are morons. I was going to ask what the difference between an idiot and a moron is. Well, an idiot is someone uh, that's not a moron. <laughs> that would be the general difference. Yeah, yeah. And if you and if you have to ask that question, you may be an idiot. <laughs> Sounds like Jeff Foxworthy might have a new thread. Um, all right, we come back. We got some show business to talk about. But your friend and mine. I mean, we got Mary Vandeveld right here. She could have handled the I L L I N I rubbing it into the rest of the football world after the big win over Wisconsin on Saturday. But Andrea Darlis works for I L L I N I. So she's going to be on later in the hour just to talk about how excited they are about their big win over Wisconsin. Any words for your fellow Greek? Uh, just, you know, congratulations. You, you mean you want me to say something in Greek to her? Yeah, and then we can play it back for her. Oh, um, Calimera, uh, Andrea. I think you said yeah. Andrea likes calamari. <laughs> no. Uh, let me, uh, I'll, I repeat the whole thing. Calimera, uh, Calimera Andrea Pierre Detecto. <laughs> <laughs> more coming I up. Don't with think the, he's on the team. More coming up with Dean live from New York in a moment. We'll find out why he's there. You'll be calling his name. Oh, 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 oh. Dean Richard, Back to Dean and Dean. Uh, a French version of uh, a potential fake Twitter name for me has come in. My fake Twitter account that I'll be starting later today. It's M-O-R-O-N-E-A-U-X. Morano. Sounds like a fine wine. That's fantastic. That's a good one. 224 said your name should be... Morano. 224 says your name ought to be... I was in a band named... Dot, dot, dot. And then uh, this is one that maybe you can identify with. Shady Melon. (laughs) Wait, no, it's not shady. It's shiny. Sorry, I misread that. Shiny Melon. Shiny Melon. These are all people. That's a lot of stuff to type. I, I like it. Morano has a uh, very mysterious uh, ring to it. I, yeah, it I like does. that. Why are you in New York? I'm uh, doing interviews, as always. Today, uh, I will talk with Benedict Cumberbatch and uh, Chicago's own Michael Shannon. Uh, they're uh, in a movie that's going to be coming out on Friday called A Current War in which uh, they play, Benedict Cumberbatch plays Thomas Edison, and uh, Michael Shannon plays uh, George Westinghouse. And uh, it's uh, a story of the beginning of electricity in America. One wanted to use the AC uh, system, alternating current, to power America. One wanted to use direct current to power America. But there's... uh, um, Another actor by the name of Nicholas Holt in the movie. He plays George uh, Tesla, who is uh, very instrumental in all of this. I don't know if he knew as a young man that uh, one day an automobile would be named after him. Uh, um, I, 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 the, the pitch, the bit, the pitch meeting for that really fascinates me. I can't see going in going. We're going to need a lot of money for this. What's your idea? What's your project? One guy likes AC. One guy likes DC. Um, right. I, I don't know how you get that sold. 
Right, and uh, ACDC, but it doesn't involve the band at all. It's uh, (laughs) actually about AC and DC, a movie about electricity, which is, uh, this is what's uh, interesting. This movie actually was uh, first scheduled for release in 2017, and it was a huge flop, and they, they went back, the director went back and recut it. Uh, so now this is called the current war, the director's cut, and they're re-releasing it uh, now. So it's uh, it's kind of a you know kind of an interesting story. And I don't know about you, but there's not a day that I wake up wondering how did we wind up with the current system that we have for electricity. I you know I don't think about it as much as you, but I'm equally fascinated now. Yeah, yeah. All think right. about that the next time you put some batteries in whatever kind of battery devices you use. That's none of my business. <laughs> the whole thing is headed in a weird direction. Um, what else is going on in show business? Well, you know, what's uh, the big news uh, locally here in, in New York today? Uh, over the weekend, Bruce Springsteen made an appearance at a movie theater. He's got a, a music uh, movie, a concert movie that's coming out uh, this coming Friday called Western Stars. And it's already opened here in the in the New York area, and uh, they were showing it at a, a theater in Freehold, New Jersey. And uh, who comes out right before the screening starts? Uh, one Mr. Bossman himself, and thanks to people for coming out and says, uh, you know, I know that uh, we weren't going to be doing any touring for a little while. I wanted to put a little music out there, so that's why we're making this movie. Hey, I hope you enjoy the movie. Even though he doesn't sound like Bob Dylan. Okay, hey. That's my generic rock star sound. Does anybody need some popcorn? Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, who's got the milk does? Right. Uh, I got a new song coming out called Thunder Snacks. <laughs> yeah, so that's the, that's the, like the huge story uh, on all the stations uh, that Springsteen made an appearance at a movie theater in New Jersey uh, over the weekend. Some, I mean, uh, you know, some of the other stories, Kanye West is saying that his new album, now it's going to come out on Friday, October the 25th. He said this about six times. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll believe that when I see it. Um, there's uh, news about 65-year-old Dennis Quaid. You know, he's got a 26-year-old girlfriend. And uh, they were in uh, Oahu over the weekend. And uh, Why? Because he needed fresh he, air? He needed to get out of the home? Yeah, he needed a little something to rejuvenate himself having a 26-year-old girlfriend. The girlfriend was uh, seen on the beach wearing a huge ring uh, on her wedding finger. Uh, so and it would, so it looks like, you know, there, there may be engagement uh, involved in uh, Dennis Quaid's life right now. You know, my fellow moron, I don't like your tone there. You're sort of making it sound like the 39-year difference might not be about love. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm just stating facts. I'm not making any judgment. Oh, wait. I'm their, making the judgment that this is ridiculous, yeah. and of course it's about not, money. Not making any judgment whatsoever about the fact that he could be your grandfather. Right. That's, that, that, that's between them. Um, oh, and here's the, here's the shocker story of the morning. You know, you got your Prince uh, William in uh, uh, London, in, uh, you know, England, in the yeah. UK, and you got your Prince Harry. Uh, in an interview over the weekend, Prince Harry disclosed that he and his brother have differences. Now, I know this is going to come to a shock to anybody who has siblings, that uh, siblings, brothers, sisters may have differences between them. 
But that is the shocking news that's coming out of the U.K. this morning. It is weird how much credit he's getting for his incredible honesty about the fact that two brothers have had differences. Yeah, that we're two different people. I wonder... I, I could write... I could write like four books about the differences between my, my me and my three brothers. Is that a is that a shock to anybody? I, I, you know what? That? I would like to see the video of uh, Prince William's man giving Prince Andrew's man a wedgie because uh, I'm sure they didn't do it to each other. <laughs> swirly a royal. What's a royal swirly like? That sounds like something dirty, doesn't it? It kind of does, yeah, yeah, without a doubt. I feel like they kind of he came out to say that too to sort of get the tabloids off of the uh, brothers' wives' backs because I think the tabloids have been holding on to this whole issue between, you know, Megan and, uh, you know, William's wife. Right, right. No, I think that's all true. So, but again, Dean, breaking news here. Oh, no, absolutely. Harry and William. I know. Have had differences. You know what I'd like to talk to you about this, Pierre Delecto? (laughs) Oh, I got one more for you before we run out of time. Jennifer Lawrence got married. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. That was a, a big uh, a big wedding that took place at a swanky joint in uh, Rhode Island. Uh, Cameron Diaz was there. Uh, Chris Jenner was there. I think that those may have been the only two people who actually showed up at the wedding. <laughs> and and you, know, you know, another example of, hey, they're just like us. They had a famous Rhode Island hamburger food truck come by for Aww. the late night snack. Well, she married like oh. a regular guy, right? He wasn't a celebrity. Well, yeah, well he's, he's a, a uh, I he's a model. I think he's a model. Oh, so okay. Well, maybe got, not so yeah, regular. <laughs> yeah, he's not. It's not like he's an actor, but yeah, he's uh, you know, and you know, God bless her. I, I wish the kids. It's a shame she couldn't find somebody uh, sixty-five years old because that really is the key to. <laughs> True romance. And did I miss Kim Kardashian popping out another baby? This baby Psalm, P S A L M, like the Bible. It might have been by no, they're surrogate. All surrogate. Her, might, yeah, her last two mm-hmm. or three. How I, many? Two or two have been. She surrogate? got like twelve or the last two. Twelve or thirteen. Now. The last two were by surrogate. Yeah, I think this last is two. the third one, right? Haven't they all been by surrogate? No, uh-uh. mm-hmm. not. I don't think the first two were. She had serious um, health complications with. Uh, one of the pregnancies, which is why then she decided to go surrogate. Because her mother told her to. <laughs> um, and uh, they renewed their vows on their fifth anniversary, which is terribly romantic. Um, That's nice. And Kanye wrote his vows for it. He's still there talking. Yeah. The other thing that happened uh, with the Royals is that Megan was uh, all the, all the teared up. Home and he's still standing there. <laughs> right, the guests have all left. Who teared up? Um, Megan teared up during an interview as well. About how hard, you know, being in the spotlight and motherhood is. Oh. And so everyone's been tweeting support for yes, her. Yes, thanks for asking how I'm doing. No <laughs> yes. one else has. Yeah, you heard it. Um, yeah, listen, I'm sure it is difficult. Oh, any, yeah. any new mom, but she's Absolutely. got a little more help than most moms. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Megan, stop <laughs> complaining. I raised two boys of my own and a daughter. Did she have three? No, she had more than two. I Fourteen no. children. <laughs> she had four. All of them used to run about. She just never looked at them. She they never ran saw here them. and ran there. I remember their names. There was Charles <laughs> and the others. Andrew, Edward, <laughs> and Anne. 
And, and the ones that weren't Charles. <laughs> there was Charles. That's a, there was Charles. That's how she and referred to him, Charles, and the ones that weren't Charles. <laughs> there was Charles. Hey, you come over here and stop that. Those were the four children. <laughs> All right, buddy. Good luck in New York. I'll see you tomorrow. There you go. That's Dean Richards, who'll be in L.A. later this week because he's just a traveling man. Uh, we're going straight to the headlines here. Let's do that. Uh, standing by, Steve Grzanich. And uh, standing by on the phone, prepared to gloat, and I rightfully so, is a proud alumnus of the University of Illinois. And I'm not speaking of Mary Vanderbilt. I mean, she's here. I said standing by on the phone. Uh, so let's get out of the way for Andre Darlis and Mary Vanderbilt to mock the rest <laughs> of the football world. Good morning. Hey, she didn't you, hear me. Oh, my God. <laughs> Can I just say, I never thought they were going to win that game. I was at the game, sitting there. I actually was going to text Mary because it was homecoming, and I wanted to see if she was back on the field with the Alignette. And But I have to say, Dave Ennett was a very courteous, wonderful sport, texting both Mary and myself, saying what a great game it was. And, and right after the game ended. I mean, literally the moment it ended, I yeah, texted Yeah, because I didn't even know, Dave, that they won. I was at a craft show. Uh-huh. <laughs> I didn't even know they won until Dave told me. So Okay. But so my, yeah. Being at the game, I went to the game last minute because I decided on Friday and it's the homecoming. I thought, okay, I should go. I work for the U of I now and it's homecoming. I, I used to go once a year, you know, for every year for the homecoming. And halfway through the game, I thought, oh, they're not going to win the game. I could leave, but I didn't because I was with friends and we stayed and could not believe that victory. Dave, let's break it down minute by minute. <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I do really is break down the last five minutes of the game. Well, they look. They played great. They made, they come up with a big interception. I was I was glued to it. I mean, I thought it was a great win for them. And uh, honestly, I didn't. I did say on our broadcast Friday night that it was one of those games you look at for Wisconsin and think it could be kind of a trap game. Uh, because they've got Ohio State next week, but I, I said, but eh, then probably not. I mean, they're. I mean, I think Wisconsin is a really good team, but it was a very. It was. It was nothing really fluky about that win. I mean, they. they it was, was a solid, solid yeah. win. Solid with a kick yeah. at the end of the game to yeah. take it. Yeah, and you know what, you guys too. And I, I want obviously, Dave, your thoughts on this, but I don't think Wisconsin played poorly. You know, it's not as though maybe they came in psychologically thinking, okay, this is going to be this is an easy W, but I don't think they played poorly until the last five minutes of the game when with the fumble and then with the interception. The interception, they, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I thought they just played well, and then Illinois just came back. It was it was very very uh, comforting win. All right, so let me ask you this, Dave: fluke or the sign of great improvement of this organization? And the program at the University of Illinois well, with nothing but upside to come, despite Levy Smith's dopey beard. No, <laughs> well, let me say this: I I've, I haven't been able to see a ton of their games yet. I did watch them against Michigan uh, two weeks ago, and they were down twenty eight nothing at halftime. They're down twenty eight nothing, and they come back and get within three at twenty eight. 25 and then the Wolverines put a drive together and put the game away. But I think that was I saw that as a sign of progress. And then this game this last Saturday, uh honestly against the number 6 team in the country, I didn't right. really expect them to win it. What was Wisconsin AD I think a 29 point favorite or something like that? Yeah, it, it actually it actually went up to 30 because, you know, there were people at the tailgate tent joking about, you know, finding a bookie. <laughs> 
right? Like, can you imagine if you went into yeah. that game and you bet a bunch of money on Illinois? You you did pretty oh well. You, you had a nice weekend. Yeah, but I think I, I, yeah, I think I'm it's a, you. I think it's a sign of progress. Absolutely, to get a win like that. So does yeah, this I mean do Lovey Smith it. is going to keep that do, that stupid beard forever now because they won? Oh yeah, he's going to keep the beard. The beard is iconic. The, the kid, you know, the students walk around. They have like the the ZZ Top Lovey beard. <sighs> yeah, but I th- I certainly I think that's a job saving kind of win. I mean, I I think you win a game like that. I think you. You end up uh, getting a little more job secure. Well, you should. Yeah, should. my only fear, and I guess you guys is too. I, mm-hmm. Is this a guy thing or just a sports thing? When he kicked the field goal, everybody stormed the field. It was awesome. It was great. It was enthralling. Then they pounce on the kicker, and there's like a pile of football players. I'm, and I'm going. I'm going. I hope the kicker's okay. I was so worried, Andrea. I saw him, and he is one handsome guy. I know. And I go, where and is he? Dig for him, and, the, and I'm like, where's the kicker? We need him. And all of a sudden, he popped up, and somebody put him on his shoulder. Oh, you know, the kid said I couldn't breathe. Yeah, yeah that yeah. actually happened to um, one of my teammates uh, my senior year of high school, where the dog pile happened on a game-winning interception. And he's underneath, and we everybody gets up, and the one dude is just like laying there, you know, <laughs> lifeless almost. Well, we've yeah. learned something from Super Joe. The technical term is dog pile. Right. Dog oh, yeah. pile. Yeah, mm. that's dog. Wow. And what's actually, with? And I know, like you know, everyone's excited in the heat of the moment, but they slap each other in the helmet. <laughs> Also, Again, they hurt. slap each other in the butts, too, right? Yeah, they got such adrenaline yeah, going helmet, on. I'm thinking, like, the he- the helmet, head butt. I'm like, hey, how about just, like, a, hef- uh, like a, a high five or a knuckle? Where did the butt slap start? The butt slap? Oh, yeah. that goes back to the, that goes back to the 16th century. Tradition. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, there was Stephen Day. I guess, Cochran yes. came in one day, and he's like, nice job, ain't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, have you seen his little booty? You'd but, slap it, too. But I know. I, I, have to say, I have. I have. Hashtag me, too. I was a little disappointed that the Illinois fans didn't act like they'd been there before. I know, Dave, right? I mean, actually, win it and own it as opposed to storming the field like we just won the Rose Bowl. Andre, I want to know what you did to celebrate afterwards. I want to know what snacks you had during the game, what you drank, and then what you did afterwards. Oh, I'm I'm so lame. The tailgate beforehand was awesome. You know, that's full breakfast, but that's the Chancellor's tent. So that's kind of, you know, that's fancy. I know, I know. I can can say that now. Uh, During the game, a Diet Coke. I know. What a crazy, crazy. Mm-hmm. And after the game, water because I drove home. Wow, you oh, are okay. man. I was Come on, partying, like. But you guys, it was um, Steve. There's this famous bar on campus called Cam's, and I know Mary and Dave know about it too. And it's just it's closing now. I mean, it's been there since I don't know the 40s or the 50s. When, when probably, you were a student, you mean? Stop by on, yeah, on your in your time there. Wow. <laughs> uh, Closed, so everybody said, "Oh, let's go to Cam's for one last, you know, toast." The line was this bar wasn't even that pop. I mean, it was popular, but the line was just wrapped around the block. So we walked past and took a picture of the line. Love it. So, so this you really <laughs> had a wild, crazy time. Oh, so, I know. Yeah. Hey, I, <laughs> I, I chalk it up to I, I. I have to take a little credit because it was my first game this year, okay. and they won. Right. So. Maybe. Yeah. Well, you don't want to, you know, act foolish in the chancellor's tent. I mean, you've got to exactly. you got to stay composed. So I was I, composed you know, when you're having orange and blue sprinkled donuts. You know, <laughs> Ithaca, oh, I love that donut sign, by the way. At Ithaca College in upstate New York, I was in the provost pup tent for a while. But, uh, <laughs> getting dogpiled. Uh, yeah, getting dogpiled. Was that before a, a bombers yeah. game? For a bombers game. Yep. Yeah, bombers game. Yeah. But um, you bet, I bet you got a lot of butt slaps. Oh, of course. That's the only reason you go. <laughs> 
Um, Describe your butt since you described Dave's. (laughs) Definitely in need of more butt. Yes. Uh, Andrea, thank you for appearing on the program. You get uh, nothing other than our love and affection and uh, and congratulations. And Mary Vandeveld's uh, I-L-L-I-N-I, Dave. I just have one question for Andrea. So yes, Saturday, David. November 30th, the battle for the land of Lincoln trophy. Yes. I think you kind of are obligated now to be there that day at Memorial Stadium, right? When the Wildcats come in. I will absolutely be there. I might come up in the, you know, we call it the Dave Bennett broadcast booth, too, in Champaign. That's the visiting true. booth. That's not true. So I'm going to come up and visit you. Absolutely. Okay, you're okay, you're always welcome in there, except that day. I'm going with you. I love we're, you guys. We're going to this game. This is going to be good. Yeah. There you go. We are, Mayor ILL. I and I. There it is. Yeah, Woo. Yeah. And 773 says we miss you, Andrea. Nothing about I, you. I miss you guys. I love you very much. I listen to you every morning. All right. Thanks. See you. See you. See you. Bye, guys. See you, Andrea. Oh, man. Especially in Halloween time, because we are always cohorts in crime for that. Dressing up as Ginger well, and Marianne. Because and she was the sicko that always wanted to yeah. put... I know, those... but we had so much fun. Come on, Steve. Oh, Get in totally the spirit. Did. Totally. I'm all about it. You know that. <laughs> I got to call my friend Tom Skilling today and ask him about this Dallas tornado that hit. It's amazing because we've talked about it. Skilling's talked about it on this show many times, but we've talked about it in general. How it's just one big weather crapshoot. Because there's no real reason why we haven't had that kind of storm in downtown Chicago. I mean, we live here in Hurricane Alley. There's some thoughts that because of the weather being created by the lake, it sort of creates a <clears throat> pardon me a buffer zone. But Skilling himself has said it could happen any time. And you remember that straight line windstorm we had a few years ago? where Wrigley had like six inches of water in the concourse and winds going nuts, um, it can happen. So we're very lucky. Dallas got slammed last night, a lot of it in uh, the northern side of the city and residential areas as opposed to downtown. It could have been way worse. And I don't, Steve, I don't think anybody was killed, right? No, there are no, no one's been killed. There are injuries, though. Now as daybreak hits there and the crews are able to get into some of these areas. And we're seeing some video for the first time coming in from one of these neighborhoods of the tornado itself. And it's it's absolutely frightening. It's like something from The Wizard of Oz or the Twister movie. A giant twister just going through this residential area with lots of buildings are damaged. Um, that's why, Dave, uh, you never take it for granted. You know, absolutely. This weather thing, and so many you know suburbs around here. You hear the tornado siren go off, and you think, uh, whatever. Yeah, it's the first of the month. Right, and it's one of those situations, too, in the middle of the night when you're sleeping, they tell you to have that weather radio, because mm-hmm. you may not hear the warnings, you may not hear the sirens outside, but that weather radio will wake you out of a dead sleep. And uh, it's a good thing it's there. Um, did I miss, uh, yeah, I told you guys, uh, congratulations to my friend Emil Esposito, got into the Illinois Golf Hall of Fame Friday night. Uh, Saturday, I finally won a golf tournament this year. And when I say I did, Mark Wagner, the guy who carried our entire team, won the last fling out at White Eagle. And then I got the Hawks game last night. I mean, I may never go anywhere again. It's a lot of weekend for me. <laughs> that, that was pretty busy. Yeah, it's super yeah. busy for me. Because normally, my weekend goes like this. Leave here Friday at 10.04. Come back Monday. That's the weekend, generally I, speaking. I don't know. Last Friday, didn't you do a comedy show? Was it? Two weeks ago or last Friday? Mm, a couple well, weeks ago. A couple, weeks, a couple ago. weeks ago. So yeah. that's not exactly leaving here no. and coming back Monday. I'm tons of fun. I don't just sit around. No. Just ask Maureen if you can find her. <laughs> I haven't seen her for weeks. She's out having a good time. <laughs> no, um, I saw a picture of the two of you with Emil Esposito. That was yeah. nice. And you Pat Brady. Great. Yeah, it was, yeah nice. it was great. Yeah. And Pat Brady was there as well, yeah. 
but that sounds like a dream marriage for me. Like if you marry a guy and then you don't have to, you know, you can still do your own thing. I can tell you have this. girls' nights? No, I can tell you this right now. Maureen, Maureen always says, wow, what a dream I'm in. <laughs> it's always hilarious when I see people come up and going, oh, it must be so much fun. And she goes, oh, you have no idea. <laughs> then how does that make you feel? Hey, it's totally fine. I find it quite funny, actually. Because I, I, you know, listen, I live with me almost 24 hours a day. <laughs> and how is that? Not so fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's do this. Let's take the last break of the hour. We'll come back, tell you what else is coming up. Uh, Bill and Wendy, of course, at 10. And uh, Rokan after John Williams. John's at 1. Rokan at 3. And whatever's happening here tonight, good luck to everybody. I, I lose track of the nighttime schedule here. So check your local listings. Um, I need some advice from all of you. I got a friend of mine. He's been really close, and we've lost touch over the years, but he stays in touch by text. This okay. somebody I used to talk to regularly on the phone, and now I occasionally get a text from him. So I got a text the other day that uh, he's getting married again. Okay. Which marriage? Four. Wow. Okay. And as you know, I'm ordained to be uh, to, to do weddings and various oh. other things. And I did his first... Um, no, his second wedding. He was married to... Well, I don't want to say this because you can track him down this way. He was married to somebody famous. Oh, wow. And it didn't work out. Okay. And then the second marriage is one I did. Mm-hmm. Um, that one didn't work out. Is that true? No, no. Second second marriage I was best man in. Mm-hmm. It's hard to keep track when there's four. I'm pretty sure I'm right about that. So you've been involved in all of these the failed marriages. The third one is the one I did. Think. Anyway, I've done like uh, 12 marriages, only one of which has failed his. Okay. But... I got this text from him. He seems super excited. He seems like he's changed. Mm-hmm. Because you know my rule. You get married once and divorce. Well, that can happen to anybody. Right. Twice, time to take a look at you. Mm-hmm. Three what? or more, it's definitely you. So what I'm hoping is that this woman that he's uh, madly in love with uh, and, and he are happy forever. But since I don't have that same sort of relationship with him, I don't feel like I can do anything that text him congratulations and wish him well. Well, is he wanting something more from you? you Probably think, not. Via the Probably want me. Well, think about the record. I mean, I, well, you know, yeah, okay. Because he wants me to stay out of it. <laughs> well, I mean, one, I, I I love that he believes in love so much that he's willing to get married a fourth time. I mean, you know, usually at that point you just say, "Hey, we'll just live together, shack up." You yeah, know? and he's he's like my age, so yeah. You know been through that a few times of course i guess he'd have to be you know if you get married four times that's going to add up years wise eventually <laughs> but i have to say at one point in my life i knew a guy that was married five times it was 35 years old whoa now that's that 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 person might be a little bit addicted to getting married well addicted to that feeling you know when you fall in love with somebody in the first couple of years months weeks uh, are super great days. No, just kidding uh, and then it sort of fades away and life happens and then he would just bail. Well, now, will you attend the wedding if you're invited? If I'm invited, sure. Well, this is the one, like I just went to uh, my husband's best friend's fourth wedding. That was the one I went to like a month ago. And are they happy? It was just a reception. They ha- they got married kind of on their own, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah. They seem very happy. <laughs> I think if you're getting married for the fourth time, you really have to invite people that are super close to you. Yeah, that's that, so you know, yeah. Well, they're just family and friends. Yeah. They're registered at Play It Again Nuptials. That's <laughs> next to Play It Again they're Sports. They're really not registered. No, I'm kidding. Come on. No. Yeah, but I by that like... time, you do need new towels. And well, she... I hadn't <laughs> thought about that. Especially sheets with that's the fourth marriage. Logical, it's a very logical <laughs> position to take. Yes. I think at that point, you have to say, you know, no, in lieu of gifts, please donate to a charity of your choice. I bet. See, the thing is, I would like another shot at correcting my record and maybe do this mm. wedding as well and to see oh, if he... Oh, boy. 
But then if I, you know, if another See, one goes down in now flames. You can't make it about you now, Steve. Yeah. It's it's about them and their love. That's going to affect your Yelp rating, too, if, <laughs> if it goes bad again. Exactly. You're not wrong about that. Uh, hey, Mary Vandeveld, I got tw- I got 30 seconds or less here. Who is left on Dancing with the Stars that you're watching tonight? Oh, well, I'm not because my internet is out at my house. Can I come over? Sure. You come over, use a TV anytime you want. This is crazy. I can't believe they're not. AT&T's not coming until tomorrow. What am I going to do? I Did can't you tell record. them who you are? Did you tell them what a big deal you are? Did you tell care. them the public depends on your information? They don't care. You know how yeah. they are. So any, I, um, nobody got voted out last week because uh, it was Disney week. Oh, so that's right. And everybody had to be happy. Yeah. So. All right. So you got to report to us tomorrow, even if you have I'll to make it up. to do that. And somehow. the news is now. We're back at uh, 910, and uh, happy to have in studio the uh, board president of uh, the not-for-profit organization Friends Apprentice. Their big shindig is Saturday night. Mike Bordes is here. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Steve. And uh, how long have you been board president? Uh, just for two months. Yeah. How do you think so far? Do you think you're, you're uh, nailing it? Yeah. You know, they they haven't uh, they haven't asked me to recuse myself yet. So yes. Yeah. I think as board president, my advice to you would be take advantage for the wins and blame someone else for the losses. Exactly. Yeah. It's a description of an NFL coach right now. I think. Right. Yeah. Could be. Uh, Friends Apprentice. What does Friends Apprentice do? Friends Apprentice is a fundraising uh, board uh, around Apprentice Women's Hospital at Northwestern. We raise money for innovative research and uh, need some water. We can get you some water. We're like an incubator, if you will, for uh, research uh, for women's health across the arc of a woman's life, not just uh, prenatal, but also as they reach maternity. I think this is really cool because historically uh, there's been a lot less research done in terms of women's health. Exactly. And that's why Friends Apprentice was founded. It was founded by a group of women who were former patients at Northwestern, who recognized the underfunding of of, uh, medical research for women. And over the years, we've raised over $20 million, uh, funded over 80 grants, all focused at uh, uh, health issues on uh, folks there in women and and, uh, young children. And for instance, the NICU to Home app, which does what? NICU to Home app is a very innovative uh, app that has been developed by Dr. Garfield and Dr. Lee, at, at Northwestern and Prentice uh, that links parents uh, who have kids in the NICU to their medical health records and allows them to communicate with their physicians and monitor the progress of their children while they're in the NICU. I know that this is super important because I have several friends who've had uh, been in a situation where they've had a baby that was born into the family in NICU, and there's usually the situations are so complex that um, there's a lot of different doctors, and you've got to make sure that everyone's communicating with each other. Exactly, and the children can be in the NICU for months, so the parents can't be there all the time, right? So the NICU app keeps them in contact. Who's treating their? Who's the nurse on duty that day? Who's the doctor on duty that day? What's the weight of the baby today? Is it m- making various milestones? Uh, the parents uh, who've utilized the app so far are just thrilled with it. Yeah. Uh, there's also a Compass program. Uh, the Compass program deals with something called perinatal depression. What is that? Perinatal depression is is depression that impacts women, uh, both prenatal and postnatal, right? And it's a huge problem. And recognizing the symptoms of depression has been a, an issue for years. And yeah. Dr. Miller developed this Compass program, uh, which provides uh, a framework for the physicians that are treating 
um, patients uh, to recognize the symptoms of depression and refer them uh, to the psychiatric uh, community for treatment. I think it's important to recognize uh, these programs because it also demonstrates uh, what this money goes for. Because a lot of people go, well, hold on a second. With health care costs being what they are, why would a hospital need to raise additional money? Well, like any other business, there's a budget, and the budget goes to running the hospital on a day-to-day basis. The additional money is raised to develop things or allow for things like things off budget and develop innovative programs like this, which you might not otherwise be able to do. Absolutely. And, and actually, you know, Friends Apprentice, you're, you're raising money that benefits the hospital community, but it is actually money that does not go to the hospital, right? We raise money, and then we take grant applications, review those grant applications with physicians and award grants on an annual basis to fund the seed money, if you will, for research. Which I think is incredible because you've been hearing more in the news lately that, uh, you know, we're losing our edge in terms of innovation and, uh, you know, creating new solutions to uh, problems. So I think this is incredible that it's happening right here um, in Chicago. Yeah, you should do. You should have a big party Saturday night, maybe a dance, maybe a fundraiser. (laughs) We're going to pull something together if you stay yeah. with us. Yeah, right, right. We have one of the Aqua Blue on the on this coming Saturday night. And what time does it start? It starts at 7 o'clock. What is the dress? Is this a black tie? It's a black tie. An evening in Oz is the theme. It's always a fun party. Okay. I, I love that you're raising this money and doing this research because, you know, we did talk about the historical gaps that happened with uh, women's health research. And, you know, you think back to back, you know, hundreds, thousands of years ago, you know, it's w- women were anything women would discuss with uh, a doctor if they had an ailment. It was, you know, deemed hysteria or something ridiculous. It is, you know? it, it's funny to us now. If you go back and look at the lack of uh, depth and breadth when it came to women's conditions. It was usually that, oh, they're emotional. Right. Yeah. And most all the studies were done on men because it was easier to do medical studies on men. And they assume it translated to women, but it does not always do so. No. It's a big deal and you can help. If you've ever benefited by the services of Prentice Women's Hospital, there was a hospital for women. At Prentice Women's Hospital. There you go. Can I add one more thing? We're honoring Dr. Michael Sokol uh, this year, and uh, he's delivered over 6,000 wow. uh, infants at, at Prentice Women's no, Hospital. No, he should go home. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a lot. That's what they're telling him, maybe. Yeah, that's wow. a lot. That's amazing. That's a lot of lives to usher into this world. Yeah, imagine the joy that he's brought in this world. Beautiful. That's a cool thing. Uh, so uh, congratulations to Dr. Sokol. All right. Again, if you've uh, benefited by the services apprentice, uh, this is a great way to give back. Tickets are available. Um, what's the website for more information? Friends of dot org. And Michael, it's nice to see you. you got a lot of work to do. Thanks so much for having me. Get back after it. Thanks for coming over. We appreciate it. 916. Steve Cochran show continues. Traffic. Oh, wait, we're not doing traffic. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. What am I talking about? We're taking a break. Then we're coming back on 720 WGN. What's your favorite Halloween candy? Hmm, it has to be Twix. Dave, what's yours? Uh, I, you know, I'm not really a candy guy. Every party needs a pooper. But I always bring mine in. Dave came to Halloween. No, no, wait. I always bring mine in. Mary, back me up on this. Uh, He does. You buy buy the best. We buy. Yeah, we buy good stuff, and we never get trick-or-treaters. In just seconds. Dave, give out apples. Roger brought some candy, and there's a ton in here in the newsroom. Well, that's good. You guys need more of that. In uh, just seconds, I'll give you the uh, derivation of some of your favorite candy names.
It's a bit I've been working on all weekend. Mm. Oh, good. Oh, Butterfinger's yeah. going to be good. How did you fit that into your busy weekend? Yeah, I don't know how. It's just incredible. Dave? For news at 10, watch WGN, Mike Matera, Joe Donlin, Dan Roan, and Chicago's most trusted meteorologist, Tom Skilling. For TV news at 10, watch Chicago's very own WGN. Three Musketeers. How is it named? Uh, how was it named? Three Musketeers. Why was it called Three Musketeers? Started oh, in 1932. Wow. Was it because of the book? When they first were introduced, Three Musketeers consisted of three flavors. There was chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry. Hmm. Strawberry? strawberry. Three bars in a package. <gasps> I want to go back to that. Yeah, why would they give that up? I feel cheated now. That seems like a good idea. Though I have to say, their fluffy nougat, yes, it was a band I was in, their fluffy nougat is delightful. Oh my God, that is so the name of your other alternate Twitter account, That's Fluffy Nougat. Uh, Butterfinger, you asked, Mayor? Yeah, this but- will be good. Butterfinger, the actual truthful definition and story behind Butterfingers. Uh, according to legend, the Curtis Candy Company of Chicago decided to run a contest to name a new candy bar. Somebody suggested Butterfinger, a term used in the form of butterfingered since the early 17th century to describe somebody who lets things fall from their hands. And my point to this is that's the entire text. Yeah, we know that. So why'd you call the candy bars Butterfingers? So you're supposed to drop it when you eat it, so you open another one? Don't get it. I'm a Butterfingers how do you like the new Butterfingers? Uh, they're pretty good. Yeah, they're not too bad. There are little Butterfingers in here, G. Mm-hmm. Is that code? You and <laughs> What's going on there? No, you, you, you drop things. Like if somebody throws something at you, like mm-hmm. it's hard to catch a ball sometimes. I, I thought that was part of the candy supply in the newsroom is what Steve was saying. <laughs> how about candy corn? I uh, love nobody. It. Love it, love it, love it. Whoa. Do you really? I, I eat it say. all the time. I have like two uh, jars of it at home, and I've been... I always it. thought... Candy corn or punch myself in the face, and I'm always what? confused on which way I should go. I, I like the full pumpkin, the, the little mix. bitty pumpkins. The, the, yeah, candy corn. I, I love just those. bought the Brock's Autumn Mix yesterday, two for one. Candy corn was invented in the late 19th century uh, when uh, someone called the candy professor tells of children eating candy shaped like tiny cockroaches. It was a standout novelty project. Uh, product because real corn kernels, uh, which the candy vaguely resembled, were used. It was mainly a food for livestock. So since it looked like the crap they fed cows, they decided to call it candy corn. And you can blame it all on this Dr. Candy Professor guy, who probably should not have been around children to begin with. Candy corn doesn't really do it for me unless you're pretending like it's your teeth. Oh, come on. What? <laughs> you line you line them up on your teeth, and then you look like a, oh. a vampire. How do they stay there? How about a Heath bar? Anybody up for a Heath bar? Ugh. I do like it crumbled in like a blizzard. They taste good in cookies. You can make Heath cookies, yeah. L.S. Heath decided to buy a candy shop so his kids could have a good career, and he would turn it over to them. Several years later, the family got a hold of the toffee recipe uh, from a traveling salesman to nearby Greek candy makers. And made them famous, especially if they started supplying candy to troops in World War II. So the Heath Bar was all dependent on the fact that troops ate it. Oh, I like that. Um, Steve, since you live in a, you live near a golf course, right? Uh Uh-huh. So when kids trick-or-treat, they expect really nice candy from you. Do you buy the full-size candy bar? Some. You have to buy all the full-size candy bars. No, it's a mixture. Mm Mm-hmm. So you don't disappoint the kiddos. And right now, the candy prices are going through the roof. It's like buying plywood before a hurricane hits Miami. Um, and uh, the full-size candy bars are now about 48 bucks a piece. Do you get a lot of kids that come by the house? Yeah, and kids not from the neighborhood. Do you dress up? In. 
Um, well, I mean, I wear what I normally wear. <laughs> I don't go to the tux. Or he anything. also gives them a sleeve of golf balls each kit. <laughs> when I run out, you could get anything. Do you bring uh, the extra candy into work the next day? Uh, like well, I, I do, do now because I don't eat it as much as I used to. And you know what a chocolate head I am. Uh, how about a Hershey bar? Milton Hershey worked for a few years in various candy businesses, but it was in Denver that he came across a caramel recipe that would be a massive hit, not resting on his laurels. He learned of the new European craze for milk chocolate, brought it to the masses in America. I thought, what Denver has to do, I thought all this came out of Hershey Park Hershey, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Yeah, right? that's well, what I thought. Well, a regular Hershey bar is kind of boring, unless it's a special dark. Unless you're making s'mores. Then, you know, otherwise I really don't ever have use for a Hershey's regular chocolate bar. How about Hershey's Kisses? A hundred years ago, Kiss was a generic term. That meant any small number of pieces of confectioner, uh, con- confectionery. So when Hershey came out with their product, it was a natural generic name. As years went by, the Kiss lost that particular meaning, but Hershey was able to assert control over the name. I'm very fond of That's the almond kiss. Interesting story. Oh, the not really. Uh, Sandy is standing by. Yes, Sandy, you have a candy corn idea. I have, and you have. If you have never tried peanuts mixed with candy corn, you haven't lived. It's peanuts like eating a salted nut roll. They're peanuts, delicious. Peanuts and candy corn. Yeah, mm, yeah try that. I'm doing that. Well, that's interesting. Peanuts. That's awesome. Except my son's allergic right. to peanuts, Thank and you, he Sandy. loves the candy corn. Thank you, Sandy. you could even add to that. Just th- toss them into a Chex mix. How about a Kit Kat? Oh, Kit Kats are my favorite. The oldest use of the word Kit Kat comes from the Oxford English Dictionary in 1665. To describe a game that was commonly known as Tip Cat, more likely it's somehow related to the Kit Kat Club of the early 18th century, which meant at a place operated by Mutton Pieman, uh, named something like Christopher Cat or Christopher Catling. So they had this guy named Christopher Cat, who liked the Cat Kit Kat Club, and somehow they came up with a Kit Kat bar. The jump from a gentleman's club or a mutton pie to a candy is a little more mysterious. Popular theory goes this way. It's related to Kit Kat pictures. A type of portrait that OED uh, describes as less than half link, but includes the hands. Um, Round Trees, a candy company, registered the name years before they actually developed the candy. The candy, the candy was originally known as Round Trees Chocolate Crisp. I don't think that would have stuck. Oh, could I have another Round Trees Chocolate Crisp, please? <laughs> Wouldn't fit in a package. My wish for the Kit Kat would be, because I almost love the wafer more than the chocolate. I just want more wafers in it. Like another, well, a just, couple of layers of wafer. Just buy those vanilla wafer cookies then. The same thing. <laughs> Not the same right? thing, Mary. I got Milky Ways and M&M's and Reese's. I'll give you a few more of these hopefully before the show's over. Certainly before Halloween. It's 927. Headlines coming up. 720 WGM. We've got Blackhawks tickets to give away and noted pet expert Steve Dale. We're giving away noted pet expert Steve Dale? Sounds like it. Oh, the luxury tax on that is going to crush you. Bill and Wendy, next after Cochran. Radio Chicago, WGN. The Gale Street Inn on North Milwaukee Avenue in Chicago. Deliciously old school, comfortably professional, and amazingly consistent. Menu options in our tavern include grilled salmon and raw oysters, burgers and crab legs, our popular baby back ribs, and a really good pork chop. I love me a pork chop. The Gale Street Inn in Jefferson Park. Think Lawrence in Milwaukee. And think about taking the blue line if it works. We're right across the street. GaleStreet.com. Liberty Mutual Insurance Company presents. We will, we will. And 
Doug. Limu, I love how we're always looking out for each other. Kind of like how Liberty Mutual looks out for you by customizing your home insurance. So you only pay for what you need. Limu, why didn't you tell me about the uncovered manhole? I was literally just telling you. Limu, I had no idea you could swim. Liberty, 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 Liberty. Only pay for what you need at LibertyMutual.com. In part two, of the, uh, part two, I should say, of the fascinating new feature, Steve's History of Candy, uh, I will uh, give you the true story of the candies that were named whatever they were named, and also some BS that I made up, so look forward to that. I, I am. <laughs> Thrilled. Seattle Sun's Healthy Eating is the most trusted name in healthy eating for how long? One year? No. Ten? No. Fifteen? How, Twenty? Thirty-three years. It's a local family-owned business with real people to talk, with questions and concerns. Um, I started Seattle Sutton's Healthy Eating Program, I guess it's two months ago now. And I'm still on it, man. Still on it, feeling good. Um, right now, Gia's making the shapely hand motion. Hey, yeah, it's not even swimsuit season anymore, yet I'll continue to wear my two-piece to show off my goods. I was just saying you're svelte now. <laughs> I do have that other problem, though. Losing weight makes my um, butt appear to be even flatter. So we're going to have to deal with that on another show. <laughs> Listen, there's 20-plus Chicagoland distributors where meals can be easily picked up or meals can be delivered directly to your door. You thought about it, give it a try. Log on to seattlesutton.com or call 800-442-DIET. That's 800-442-3438. And uh, Maureen is uh, doing as well, and she looks fantastic. See the attention she gets from everybody. She looked great I said, hey, before. what about me? Stealing your thunder. SeattleSutton.com, 800-442-3438, SeattleSutton.com. It's headlines time now. Nylander came along, pokes it ahead, Kane over the top of the line, right circle, shoots the score! Patrick Kane! Ah, it looked good then. 312-917-200. Joe, seven? Seven the number? Magic seven? Yeah, let's go with eight. Right, it's number eight. Patrick Kane. You want to go with 88? Sure, why not? Let's go with 188. That seems like a lot. Yeah, that now you're just like being ridiculous. Yeah, let's, let's eight tone it plus back down. eight, sixteen. That's reasonable. Too much math. All right, we're going with eight. We've settled on eight. Eighth caller wins right now. We'll tell you what you win in a second. Um, I have more exciting news on uh, various candies. I love this game. It's not Can really anyone a game. tell me how a Milky Way was named? Uh, because it tasted like out of this galaxy. No. There was much more controversy involved. Okay. The FTC decided that the candy bar isn't equal to milk, which is a direct conflict with the, the advertising that Milky Way's nutritional value is equivalent to a glass of milk and can be substituted for milk. Wow. So this is very similar to the whole almond milk, oat milk debate now that they, they have to be called an al- almond beverage or something. Right. Yeah, wow, don't, the, don't the get milk, Don't mess with the milk council. Don't mess don't with the nougat. Get Orion started. <laughs> I know. He'll come after you, and he should. He should. Uh, um, Hershey's, by the way, at the same time as advertising their chocolate bars as being more sustaining than meat. <laughs> oh, wow. Really? Try a Hershey's chocolate. It's more sustaining than meat. Is it like plant based? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh. Sometimes it does taste as good as meat. Uh, M&M's. Good. Steve, how are M&M's named? Uh, one is Mary and one is Michael. Close. Mars candy. Mars and something? The two M's stand for Mars and Murray. <gasps> oh, Who's Murray? Close. Who? Yes. <laughs> Murray was Mars' friend. 
no, the Mars was Forrest Mars, the son of Mars Candy Company founder Frank Mars. Forrest and Frank had a fight. See, this is a game. All right, and then and then Frank, the son, or I should say Forrest, the son, moved to Europe, started his own candy company. Oh wow! This is when things got ugly. Hmm. Because after his dad died, he came back to take over the Mars company, and he needed an angle, needed a hit, needed a big win. So he stole the idea for M&M's from a British candy called Smarties. Not like our Smarties, not the tart oh, little chewable okay. Smarties. These were chocolate-covered little candy-coated chocolates that were already in Britain, and he stole them and called them M&M's. That's cool to know. I wish I had a family empire to fight over <laughs> with my siblings. So did Smarties also melt in your mouth, not in your hand? Yes. And do they also have a green one that made you kind of randy? That, yes, a green one that made you randy, and also Van Halen didn't want it in their dressing room. Right, in their writer. Um, uh, Hershey has the lamest explanation for the Mr. Good Bar. Would you like to hear this? I don't love a Mr. Good Bar. Oh, you don't have a choice. You're going to hear it. Anyway. I love the Mr. Good Bar. Uh, Hershey chemists have been working on a new peanut candy bar as they were testing it. Somebody said, that's a good bar. Milton Hershey allegedly misheard it and said, Mr. Goodbar is a perfect name. Meeting adjourned. Oh. <laughs> See, psychologically, you call it a good bar, so people think it's a good bar. Skittles? Skittles came from the U.K. as well. Skittles is a type of bowling in the U.K., either on lawns or tabletop in pubs. The phrase beer and Skittles described fun. So Skittles was associated with fun. Snickers, named after the Mars Candy Company family horse. <laughs> That's where Snickers came from. How about Goobers? Uh, named after the filling station guy on Mayberry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't have Goobers on my list here. Goobers and Raisinets. Uh, Sour Patch Kids, this should not be a leap. They were trying to exploit that popularity of the Cabbage Patch Kids in the 80s. So they just developed these tart candies and they called them Sour Patch Kids. Very traumatic uh, situation with my Cabbage Patch doll. What happened? Well, there were no Asian Cabbage Patch dolls, so my doll, I got a red-headed, I got a ginger Cabbage Patch with freckles. And you wanted a little Asian girl. Well, yeah, because I wanted to look like me, because I thought right. I was going to be, you know, right. my right. Cabbage Patch. And so where is my Korean Cabbage Patch? Why didn't you invent it? Well, you know what? Later on, somebody sent me one as an adult, but then it was too late. What, did they develop it, or was it being sold in Korea? It was developed later on. Now okay. now they have dolls of every shape, color, size. Yeah, the United Nation line? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm sorry that happened. I'm okay. I'm over it now. You don't seem to be. <laughs> um, when I was at Heathrow coming back from uh, the Czech Republic, mm-hmm. stacks and stacks of Toblerones. I do love a Toblerone. And I think these are like... Um, um, what's the pizza or the uh, sandwich or pizza you can only get in the airport? Sbarro? Yeah, Sbarro. It's like Sbarro. <laughs> Toblerones. you find Toblerones anywhere else? Isn't it Switzerland, though? Here's the deal. Toblerones is a name for various, uh, uh, or Tyrone, I should say, is a name for various Italian nougats. Distinctive for its triangle shape, people always thought the Swiss Alps, but no. Toblerones UK site says, Toblerones were named after a red and cream-filled line of dancers at the Follies Bergeret in Paris, forming a shapely semi-nude pyramid at the end of the show. I just remember when I could get my hands on a Toblerone growing up, it felt super special and fancy. It did, too, at this club, where the Follies Bergeret apparently was. Uh, Tootsie Rolls? Yeah. Okay, try to stay awake. (laughs) No, no, no. I was just thinking about a Tootsie Roll and how it gets stuck in your teeth, and it's like you 
just keep chewing on it, and it's hard, and it's stuck. And Leo you know. Hirschfeld invented the Tootsie Roll. Uh, some say it came from his daughter's nickname. Turns out that's not true. It was named after the mascot for a character called Tattling Tootsie. Oh, I was going to say this. Yeah. <laughs> Where are you? <laughs> How about the Twix bar? Love the Twix. Twix bar is a combination of the words twin and sticks. <laughs> See, because there's twin sticks? Mm-hmm. It's so obvious. There's no way it could be true. See, I thought it was betwixt, because you have the caramel betwixt the cookies. Oh, that's a better ah, answer. That's much more in-depth. Twizzlers, you asked! Twizzlers dates back to the 18th century. One of the definitions in the Oxford English Dictionary gives it to twirl, twist, or turn around in a form by twisting. So really, Twix and Twizzlers are the only two that make a lot of sense. The best thing to do with your Twizzler is to then bite off each end and use it as a straw. Oh, you are wild. For in the movie theater. Things were slow at North Carolina, weren't they? <laughs> yeah, movie theaters and Walmart. Do you have the uh, uh, what happened with Mary Jane, what the history of Mary Jane, the worst candy, Halloween candy there is? No, it was somebody on weed that invented it or something, right? <laughs> I don't know. There was some weird story about I remember. it. I'll have to look it up. The but, York oh. Peppermint Patty? No oh, one knows. For the best. Very good. And as always, a low-fat candy. Uh, the York Peppermint Patty, no one seems to know. The Baby Ruth Bar. This is a fairly famous story. The daughter of President Grover Cleveland was uh, Ruth, and they, he called her, and Babe Ruth was popular at the time, so they named her Baby Ruth. And the candy was named after the president. But I know what you're saying. You're saying, Steve, you skipped the most popular candy of all, and please tell me this feature is over. Um. Yes, I can answer both. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. The Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. Okay, I was wondering about this. Henry Burnett Reese started working for the Hershey Chocolate Company in 1916 as a dairy farmer. But after leaving and returning to Hershey's a few times over the following years, he decided to set out on his own. His great peanut butter cup invention was stolen. It was a ripoff. That's right. A guy uh, like a Sam Drucker in a general store where Mr. Reese was dropping by told him they were having difficulties with their supplier of chocolate-covered peanut butter sweets. So he therefore named it after him and started supplying him himself. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. So you're telling me that somebody didn't walk from one room to another and accidentally trip and fall into the peanut butter with the chocolate? Like the commercial says. Because <laughs> that's the way we've always thought it happened. I prefer to think of it that way, and I always will. I agree with you, Steve. That's a better story. And Mary Jane was named after an aunt, by the way, of Charles Miller, who uh, created that uh, Mary Jane in 1914. You know what I've determined from all of this? And uh, using up 10 minutes of valuable time over two segments on WGN, <laughs> America's biggest talk station. The names of candy is kind of boring. Just eat it. That's it. Just eat it. There's no murders. There's no, you know, nothing super exciting in any of that. Or a lot of thievery. You're, you're, yeah, so, you're upset. <laughs> I'm fake upset. Give him a the candy name of our bar. Winner? What was the name of our winner, Joe? Stephen Fox Lake won the tickets. Stephen Fox Lake gets a pair of tickets to see the Blackhawks play the Vegas Golden Knights tomorrow night. Courtesy of Four Seasons Heating, Air Conditioning, and Plumbing. For all the right reasons, Four Seasons. Find them online at fourseasonsheatingandcooling.com. Roe and Anna are giving away another pair of tickets this afternoon. Tune in every Monday for more chances to win Blackhawks tickets from Four Seasons. Mary. Uh, no, not Mary. Me. Steve. <laughs>
And who are you looking <laughs> at anyway? That's G. <laughs> I got in the habit of having traffic at a particular time yes. like this throughout the show. After 9 o'clock, we allow people to figure it out for themselves. <laughs> we'll be back with more in a moment. Hey, I want to congratulate uh, Tiger Woods' ex, Ellen Nordegren. Just had another baby with her new man. Good for her. I'm glad she found true love and happiness. Uh, he's a former player with the Miami Dolphins, a really awful football team. Jordan Cameron? I don't remember Jordan Cameron. Do you, Dave? Off the top of my head, no. no. I enjoyed watching him on Hard Knocks. What did he play, uh, Joe? Defensive end. He was actually a pretty strong defensive end. Was he? Joe has immense sports well, actually, actually, I got him mixed up. Jordan Cameron is the tight end, and Cameron Jordan is the defensive end. They actually um, joked about this on the uh, TV show The League. Cameron Jordan and Jordan Cameron. Well, I'm glad you cleared that up. You know what you should have done? The history of candy names. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're both ends. Allison Eastwood. These are a few things we didn't have time for early in the show. Allison Eastwood says Clint, now 89, hates his birthday. Just doesn't want to talk about it, doesn't want it recognized, gets super angry if people do. All he wants to do is just continue to work. And uh, she's 47 now. Uh, did I, I told you the story that Tom Dreesen, who's friends with Clint Eastwood, told us, Dave. And I thought about this um, when I was in Pinehurst. I go, wow, am I stiff and sore. Clint Eastwood, he doesn't let the old man in. No. Clint no, Eastwood we gets up about in the morning, that, yeah. he's sore. I don't yeah. let the old man in. I think you should do yoga. Then that will aid your flexibility. And uh, then it'll help you in the golf course course and mm-hmm. with your swing as a golf player do you uh do you do yoga i do sometimes yeah mm-hmm. you enjoy it it actually is i mean you sweat it really does work you out i don't doubt that at all but it does make you more flexible yeah no i also know that there's a video online of a woman that was um really had a very bad posture and she was in her 80s or 90s and she started doing yoga and now she's upright definitely does help with the flexibility often you go me? Uh, once every other week, maybe. That's mm. about it. Guys, have you ever heard of dry needling? I did it last week. What is that? Loosened up my hamstring. It's like acupuncture in a tendon. It's I, incredible. It's really good, so, actually. So, was it bothering you and this was suggested? or how Correct. Yeah, I've been doing physical therapy for about two weeks, and they're like, you know what? We're going to try dry needling, and basically they, they jammed some needles into my hamstring, and, um, you know, it, it was a little uncomfortable at the time, but man, the next day, it was amazing. I guess it just circulates more blood flow in the area. I have had acupuncture before, and a couple of those needles hurt. I don't, well, I don't know if it was dry needling, but I've had a couple of needles that hit a couple of points, and I was like... Felt like a couple flu shots, basically. And, but it's different than acupuncture. Yeah, that's what they told me. Okay. Um, I added, uh, because of the, the hereditary thing I have with blood clotting, I have to have monthly blood tests. And I had a series of blood tests. I actually went yesterday morning to get them done. Because, you know, the Sunday blood tests, they're reasonable. Um, and Cheaper. the woman couldn't find the blood lady. That's her name, technically. I don't want to get involved in a lot of technical names here, but in the medical world, they call her Blood Lady. The uh, Blood Lady couldn't get my veins to work Oh, and stabbed me five times. Oh, no. Well, maybe because your arms are so tan. Well, not just tan, rippled. <laughs> I mean, you're what out. You're talking about? You know, your arms are like tan, like from, it's like you're on permanent vacation. I said, are you having problems with the gun show? <laughs> and then she stabbed me again. <laughs> <laughs> that time in the eye. <laughs> And we wish a not-so-fond farewell to Joey the Clown Lombardo, who lived to be 90. Uh, a uh, hitman for the Chicago outfit forever. This is another question you can put on a list of stuff I'm going to ask God someday. How do good people die and Joey the Clown Lombardo made 90? I don't get it.
Uh, we're coming back with Bill and Wendy next on 720 WGN. It is 9.57, and uh, Bill and Wendy are here. How are you two doing? Really good. Thanks for noticing my haircut. Your haircut looks nice. Nice haircut. Very Thanks. nice. Uh-huh. Very nice. You know, I uh, have a place that I go. It's a wonderful place called Neo Bella Salon. Yeah. Very nice people. Lovely in people Rome? there. It's in Rome. Okay. <laughs> a lot of people say that's quite a bit of money to spend on your haircut. Worth I it. say it's worth it. Look this it. look doesn't just happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, and Monica actually does the haircut. But uh, I like to bill an extra time because it takes 30, 40 seconds. Yeah. So I tidy up the salon. <laughs> I'll run out, get that's people nice. lunch. You know, whatever it takes. So thoughtful. Of but you. I just appreciate you two noticing. <laughs> it, looks, it looks stunning. Yeah, did you have a nice weekend? Yes, busy weekend. Yeah? Went to see Deep Purple. They were great. I'm sure they were. How many original members are in the band? Uh, Three or four. Wow, that's pretty impressive. It was pretty good. And then uh, my sister had a horse party yesterday for her birthday. She owns a horse, and we went to a stable and pet goats and alpacas. It's like a theme sort of thing. Yeah. She didn't just invite horses. No, it was people to look at her horse tests. So it was fun. Busy weekend. And Bill? I hid in my closet because I was invited to a horse party that I didn't want to go to. <laughs> and you were hoping if I stay in here till it's over, I'll be yes. just fine? Yes. I laid yes. low. Did either of you watch any of the Bears game? Yes. And did either of you regret your life choices at that point? No, I just wonder what's going on. The I mean, weird thing is they're three and three, and there are many years in this town where three and three would go, hey, not sure. bad. Sure. They bad. were three and three last year. Yeah, and then what happened? They won their last. They uh, won nine of the next ten. Nine of, yeah, what you said. They always seem shocked that they're in a game on Sunday. <laughs> I mean, their best week was their bye week by far, but every Sunday they're shocked that there's a game. I don't understand how Mitch Trubisky threw fifty-seven passes for forty-one yards the entire game. I don't, right. you know, how did that happen? Play calling seems odd to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, but did and, you hear the good news? No, about uh, Cody Parkey. Oh yeah, he clanked one, didn't he? Did he? Cody Parkey. It's in his blood. He missed an extra point. Do you have the actual footage of that, Joe? There it is it right is. there. <laughs> Cody Parkey doinked one. But he did make a field he goal, He made a too. field goal, and he made two of three extra oh. points. Oh, well. yeah. He'll do good. great now that he's not with us. Yeah. Well, he would, except for the fact that he doinked one. Well, did the team one. that signed him? Did they look at his resume or talk no. to anybody? No, no. You get a call. You get a call. Somebody references you. You go. I don't have time for anything right. else. You just hire. Come him. on in. There is a double doink clause though in his contract. <laughs> there is. Yes. I think I have. It's funny you say that. I think I have one of those too. Uh, you got eight seconds. What are you doing today? Noted pet expert Steve Dale will be here, uh, and we're going to ride his llama. <laughs> okay, that sounds dirty. Uh, it's news now. See you tomorrow. <laughs>